Talk Recorded live. Sell something just to make money. You got to sell something that benefits people and works. So if you look around these days, you'll find that about 90% of all the food that is available is processed and dead and basically has no nutrition. You'll also find that at least half of that food contains some genetically modified ingredients. And what that means is you're eating organisms that are grown and mutated in laboratories, including bacteria and insect cells. So basically what's happening is we're all becoming like the flies. You remember that giant man-fly hybrid that Jeff Jeff Goldblum turned into that creepy movie back in the late 80s? Well, so you have to ask yourself this question. Is your DNA now designed to kill insects and weeds? And if so, will mosquitoes stop biting you this coming summer? Or will you have the strangest hyper-skin reactions to weeds? I mean, who knows? So besides the food that's labeled certified organic, what are you getting? Well, there's a lot of rural people finding local and organic food at their farmer's markets, or they grow it all themselves. Then there's those that barter and trade services for food or trade crops and seeds for rotation. But in parts of the U.S., some people still live like my grandparents did, eating food that didn't contain pesticides on the inside or the outside. So really, think about it. Plus, most people eat food from boxes, toxic cans, and sealed plastic every day. That's because they never heard of BPA poisoning. But that's another subject for another story. So besides organic these days, what's not genetically modified? Soy and corn is certainly thrown out the window. Nearly all gluten-containing products contain some GMO ingredients. Companies you think still sell organic food have sold out to the big corporations like Silk and Horizon. And then, of course, Hain and Celestial. What's happening is that the cat's out of the bag. So you have to ask yourself, what the hell is in these products now? You got most companies that are mixing in soy, which you should be careful about consuming how you do it in the first place. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with soy if you can eat fermented soy, which gives you at least something that's good for your body. Otherwise, the question is, how is it affecting your hormone balance? Did you also know that certified organic products from China are loaded with heavy metal toxins? Seriously that the Chinese government emits that one-fifth of farmland 
are heavily contaminated with toxic heavy metals like cadmium, arsenic, and lead. So organic from China, <laughs> give her a miss, man. So the gray area between organic and GMO is rapidly closing if it's not already completely closed. And most conventional food is grown with fluoridated water, making the soil depleted of nutrients. Now, all the plants get the nutrition from the soil. So if the soil is dead, guess what? The food is dead. Then you spray on some synthetic pesticides, and you grow everything with chemical-laden fertilizer, and what do you got? Then you grow everything from genetically modified seeds, uh, genetically modified Monsanto seeds, and basically, what have you eaten? So many raw materials that are found in foods come from the GMO sources and the cattle farms, you know, the ones where they put the animals together the confined animal feeding operations, right? CAFO, confined animal feeding operations. And they're not just about processing meat for fast food America. They produce all kinds of byproducts in corporate. America has figured out ways to incorporate that all into conventional food, including the ones that are labeled all natural. And, of course, a lot of the chewy candies that are sold to the little kids are made from gelatin, which is derived from the genetically modified fed cows. And then all those popular sodas are loaded with genetically modified corn syrup. And did you know that aspartame is genetically modified also? Yes, MSG is genetically modified. Monosodium glutamate is manufactured in laboratories And basically, it does nothing more than just disrupt your central nervous system. So you kind of feel like as nervous as a fly trapped in a window, all because of the food that's not full of nutrition. So the best food on the store shelf to buy is the food which has holes and nicks where the insects ate them. But you think I'm crazy, right? Well, that proves it's edible because the bugs don't eat GMOs and neither should you. And if you consume GMO regularly, your gut is actually creating pesticides. And you're basically consuming the genes of bugs and plants and animals that dissolve the inside of the beetles, and I don't mean the rock group. So your body now contains the DNA codes to create bug killer where you're supposed to be nourishing good bacteria or gut flora. And most conventional foods contain genetically modified corn, genetically modified soy, genetically modified canola, genetically modified sugar, genetically modified, I mean, it never ends. Because genetic modification is big business. And Monsanto and DuPont and Dow Chemical and Bayer and Syngenta and the rest of the 
pimps of the food drug cartel want your business at the cancer hospitals as well. So what is it that you're checking into? Is it conventional GMO or certified organic without heavy metal toxins? And look for organic supplements too and personal care products that contain ingredients that you could eat because your skin is your largest largest organ. And you have to decide what to feed it. So you want to make sure that it's either organic or it's got the non-GMO project verified seal on it. Don't go turning into a rootworm or a fly. Seriously. Just be careful about what you eat. Get with the program. Swallow it home. It's time you live organic the way you were born. It's not rocket science. And we're, we're, we're in a society of pimps, hookers, and tricks. And when I talked about how the bugs would not eat GMOs, there was a situation that happened in India where they did an experiment. And what they did was they took GMO foods and they took conventional foods and they went out into the wild and they hung the GMO from one tree and the conventional from another tree. And they split. And they came back about a week later and they found all the conventional food was eaten off the tree, but the GMO stuff was never touched. So if the, if the creatures by nature know that something is not good for them, don't you think we should know that too? So, you know, a lot of people think they want to look up what GMO means, but you don't want to know what it stands for. And you don't want to know what it contains. And if you look it up on Google, you're basically going to find a definition that's provided by Bayer, Syngenta, and Monsanto which is a definition that does not defy the end result. Why? To a means of making billions of dollars by putting pesticides in food like corn, soy, and canola. So you, you don't ask questions about GMOs because it's not patriotic. And since the lobbyists and the politicians pay good money to endorse it and receive kickbacks, don't don't even look for GMO on labels of any foods because you're not going to see it, be it good, bad, or ugly. So GMO is not advertised on television either, even though the companies that engineer pesticide into the foods have millions and millions of dollars and say it's safe and effective, that it's so good for you. They don't need to make commercials touting it. Do you, do you not wonder about, about that? Are you not smart enough to comprehend GMO? Is it over your head? You don't really need to understand anything about science when it comes to food. You just accept it. Like you do the sun and the stars in the sky. Hey, during the day, the sky is blue. And you eat GMO food, too. It's that simple. And in the name of GMO, don't blame the food when and if you get cancer. 
hey, come on, that can't be science and it's unpatriotic. Don't ask questions about what's in your food or your medicines, for that matter, or vaccines or the candy that the stranger gives your kids on the street corner or when they put it in their bags for Halloween. Because even the strangers who eat the GMOs know that GMOs are safe. But you and me, we're too dumb to understand anything about NASA, GMO, or arithmetic. So like 2 plus 2 equals 4, pesticide plus food equals cancer and Alzheimer's. Anti-science means you don't need science to prove anything you sell is safe. And that's because it's toxic and science would prove it. So don't question anything ever. Just basically be a sheeple or a lemming and obey the crooked schemes of your biotech masters. This has been a public service message from the organic world of health enthusiasts. And you have to beware of the fact that the GMO food pushers are anti-science. And the kings of the anti-science movement, Bayer, Syngenta, Monsanto, DuPont, they're here to, to kind of screw you into eating pesticides on a daily basis. They want you living in the dark. But there is a cure. Recently, a woman named Jane Goodall argued the fact that the advocates of genetically modified food ignored ignored the evidence of harm with the result of being guilty of being anti-science. She says that the intervention in the food chain comes in the form of biotech giants like Monsanto et al., and have used their clout with the governments and industry to force genetically modified groups and foods, crops and foods, into the plates, onto the plates in the U.S. without even conducting proper safety tests. She sees GMO crops and foods as a shocking corruption of the life forms on the planet. And she noted that the GMO process which involves placing foreign genes into plants and seeds to create toxins that work to ward off insects or give them immunity to chemical pesticides has altered them in fundamental ways. So there's this book that she forwarded. She wrote the foreword. The book is called and you should Google it. You can get it from Amazon. I have my order in. They're going to ship it on Monday. It's called Altered Genes, Twisted Truth. And it's written by a guy named Stephen Drucker. And it's basically how the venture to genetically engineer our food has subverted science, corrupted government and systematically deceive the public. It's something that we all should partake in. It's coming to me, so I'll be able to uh, talk about it. So who do you know that smokes, 
takes medication and could care less about buying organic food. Who do you know that wears too much makeup, drinks too many mixed drinks at the bar, or has always ordered enough food for three people? Maybe it's you that's being labeled by one of these allopathic assault generals, or maybe a handful either way, but what you end up with is a need for chronic medical attention, and you might not like what you found because many of the large corporations make their biggest buck from selling products that cost them nearly nothing to manufacture, and that goes for the drugs too. So though you think they're putting in scientific manpower and man hours, what they're really doing is far from that, and the statistics are simply made up out of thin air to suit the needs for contracts. Science is for sale, folks. So one definition of assault is a concentrated attempt to do something demanding. So have you been vaccinated with everything the CDC says you should be, with or without your consultation? Have you been informed of exactly what's in your food? Are you given permission by the powers that need to be looked at? Did someone exploit your scruples? In other words, have you filtered certain toxins out of your life had you known they were there in the first place? You made a choice. You made a choice to smoke that first cigarette and the most recent one. You made a choice to drink six beers instead of one. You made a choice to eat a cheeseburger instead of steamed organic broccoli. And so the story goes. The fast, the fast fix world really wants to eat conventional, sweet, and salty food until health problems develop. Then you ask a doctor what to do and what medicines to take. But allopathic means never justify the result. Why? Because covering up symptoms and relieving you of them just puts off the inevitable. You don't unscrew the bulb of the warning light in your car when something goes wrong and figure the problem will work itself out. You call a mechanic. So why do you take prescription drugs for pain or depression or cholesterol and blood pressure if the cause of your pain, the cause of your depression, and your malnutrition stems from bad food choices? You make the choices, and the consequences are defined by your actions. That is basically the definition of karma. Every action has a reaction, and energy and immunity come from organic food, period. We watch TV. We read newspapers. And we hear all the fear-mongering fake news. Do we be influenced by these? hypochondriacs that feed off the fear-mongering fake news and take the CDC statistics? 
which are merely myths to keep you in the mode of pure thinking or about infectious disease your body can defeat with nutrition, turn off the TV and learn the natural ways to detoxify your body and never return to synthetic excuses for toxic indulgence. If you help yourself, then you can help your friends and your family. And then we talk about cigarettes. Seriously, is the answer to quitting smoking found in synthetic medications that give you side effects that include intolerable nightmares, depression, and feelings of suicide? Is the answer to quitting smoking found in a patch that just keeps feeding your blood one of the most addictive substances in the world, nicotine? Is the answer found in an electronic cigarette that contains more nicotine? The answer is no to all of that. Quitting smoking means getting healthy, and that means educating yourself immediately about nutrition because certainly any smoker is missing vitamins, vital minerals and nutrients and vitamins. They must have to recover from how many years they've been suffering with cigarettes. And then, of course, we have the pharmaceuticals and the vaccines. And you have to know that the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Procrastination, says on vaccine inserts that there's no proof that they work. You have to know that the medications that mask the symptoms also mask the problems which always boil back to the human gut. So do you have an 85% good bacteria? Well, prescription drugs are usually a prescription for bad bacteria breeding. And then, of course, the toxic chemicals and the personal products. Oh, my God. This stuff is just going to the largest organ in your body and polluting it. And, of course, the GMO. We talked about that. Be smart. Realize that the allopathic paranoia wastes money and takes chances by endangering health with chemical synthetic medicine and most conventional seeds and medicine has been modified in a clinical tab to contain either human albumin or pesticide. So you want to eat bug killer? Great. You want to eat the ingredients from Agent Orange? Great. Those are the chemicals that we use to burn down jungles. And how many quacks, how many thousands of quack doctors in the U.S. push chemotherapy as a cure or treatment for cancer? They know the real statistics. They know it doesn't work, and they push it anyway. So no one is going to take responsibility for you unless you take responsibility for you. It's not rocket science. You, 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 you just, you know, it's like we see things in the media. We see, we, we, we hear things on the radio, on the TV. We read it in the newspaper. Yet, you never really hear what the crux of the problem is if it goes against advertising dollars. And that's the problem. Sure, GMOs are healthy. Hey, Monsanto says so. 
politicians don't push for GMO labeling. They get kickbacks. They get funded for their campaigns. No matter who runs, they get money because they never know who's going to win. So they just want to make sure they pay everybody off so everybody's on their side. We have a situation here in Hawaii. It's really, it's, it's incredible. In, in, our, in our county charter, the charter calls for steel wheels on steel rails. That was in the charter. Okay, so that was our format. So two of our councilmen said if we switch from steel on steel, the government would take back the $200 million that they gave us. Two things. First thing was I contacted those two politicians on the city council, and I said, where can I see that in writing? They don't respond. With regards to the county charter with the steel-on-steel provision, what they don't tell you is if the people decided they wanted to change the venue, they could put it up to a popular vote to change the format from steel-on-steel to, say, maglev or, or monorail or whatever. And if it passed, then that would be the provision in the charter. And the feds would not take back any money because the only reason they gave money is to promote a rail system, not a system of a rail system. You see the hypocrisy that prevails on a daily basis? This is, this is where it's at with politicians. There's nothing you can do about it except don't reelect them. Just make a guy go in there for one term and get rid of him. Then that doesn't give him a chance to get really entrenched. So getting back to GMOs for a minute, we all know that the GMOs have never been proven safe based on the fact that there's never been any long-term studies on the health effects or their pesticides by those companies. Although there have been long-term effects, the Seralini report was an interesting report, but he never looked for anything. He just did this study. And in about three years, found that the rats that he was feeding them to all developed cancer. Yet, the biotech industry, when they do their tests, they do it for three months. And they don't just say, oh, nothing happened in three months. It's safe to eat. No problem. No harm from GMOs. And the FDA goes along with that. Unfortunately, product approval under the FDA, which is the Fraud and Drug Administration, is not the best gauge for what's healthy and what's not due to an agenda that's been infiltrated by corporate interests and their political allies. That being said, the most logical way to protect those who want to avoid GMOs is to enforce GMO labeling, which is a concept that, like I said, is snowballed in awareness as well as political action. So for the food industry, labeling is not difficult, nor would it cost consumers an extra 500 a month in groceries, as is falsely and fraudulently claimed by the big food industry when California tried to pass their GMO labeling law 
couple of years ago. So the food companies change labels all the time. They have no problem adding meaningless all-natural labels to products in the attempt to trick you and me into, you know, buying what they want us to buy. It's crazy. So big food is fully aware that a GMO label will likely hurt their sales. So what do they do? There's so much awareness that's been generated on the issue that refusing to label GMOs has brought even more negative attention to companies like Starbucks and Pepsi and Coca-Cola and General Mills and Kraft Foods, who has now been in the process of being bought out by Heinz. So there's 10 reasons that I think that GMOs should be labeled. One is that the Convention on Biodiversity recognized that genetic engineering is a threat to a mountain variety of life on the planet. In other words, it's going to reduce life. Number two, the scientists that reviewed the data from Monsanto's studies <coughs> have proven that genetically engineered foods are neither sufficiently healthy or proper to be commercialized. Where did you ever hear that? Of course. The third reason, the biotech technique of spraying plant cells with a buckshot of foreign genes that hit chromosomes in random spots would trigger the expression of new allergens and change the character of plant proteins. Number four, the milk and the dairy products from the cows that are injected with genetically engineered growth hormones are different from conventional and organic milk and dairy products, which you can't get because the USDA and the FDA have banned raw organic dairy products because they provide too much health. The fifth is that the third generation, like I said, of the hamsters that were fed genetically engineered soy suffered slower growth a high mortality rate, and a bizarre birth defect. They had fur growing in their mouth, and a lot of them lost the ability to give birth. Number six, the animals fed genetically engineered feed are different from animals fed conventional and organic feed. Number seven, a single serving of GMO soy can result in a horizontal gene, gene transfer where the bacteria in the human gut adopts the soy's DNA. Number eight, the genetically engineered foods are different from conventional and organic foods. And nine, the genetically engineered foods have been tested to determine whether, have not been tested to determine whether they are safe for human consumption. And number 10, almost all organic processed food and animal products in the U.S. today contain ingredients that come from genetically engineered crops or from animals given genetically engineered feed, vaccines, or growth hormones. So today, more than 70 GMO labeling proposals have been introduced in over 30 states, with Rhode Island being the last state to pitch the legislation. And according to polls, 
more than 90% of the Americans want GMOs labeled, right, which gives us this moving so much momentum that it's unlikely to be stopped until, of course, they reach the politicians who only gauge on what they can stick in their little back pockets, the little green things with faces on them, otherwise known as money. So I have a question. What do you do? You got some health issues. You got some problems. You don't want to go to the doctor because you know he's only treating symptoms. You don't want him to use his little personal pocket knife to cut out an organ or whatever because those are the only two things they know how to do. They don't know how to heal people. They don't know how to treat a symptom. So you want to reverse a symptom. And the only way you can reverse the symptom is to get to the cause of the symptom. And that cause of that symptom is usually you're in a state of poor health. You eat whatever genetically modified comes your way. Every animal eats genetically modified food that is raised for slaughter. Anything that had a face or a mother eats genetically modified foods and growth hormones. That's a given. That's what you eat. If you're not on a plant-based diet, that is what you're eating. That is why you feel like crap. That is why you have to take meds. That is why you feel run down. That is why you have no energy. Then, of course, the food industry pushes sugar. Well, that might taste really good to you, and it's just like addicting as cigarettes and alcohol are, but it doesn't do your body any good. Sugar puts on weight. You want to be fat? Go eat all the good. You know, you, when's the last time you saw a thin policeman? Those guys are eating donuts like they're potato chips. I mean, it's crazy, man. So what do you do? Okay, first and foremost, and if you want to do baby steps, you do baby steps. I never did. You need to go from a flesh-based diet to a plant-based diet. That is the first step. How it works out down the road will work itself out, but you need to stop eating anything that had a face in a mother. You need to stop eating the dairy products because you can never get organic. So basically because of pasteurization and homogenization, you're eating liquid fat and you've got to stop eating eggs. If you're eating more than one egg a day, even one egg a day, you are getting more protein from that one egg than you would normally need for one whole day. And, believe it or not, the egg white has more bad cholesterol in it than the yolk. And guess what people use to fry up their foods and do stuff? They use liquid egg white. I mean... What the hell has happened to society? Okay, that's the first step. Now, what about all the toxins in your body? What about your immune system? At least now you're starting to put on leaded fuel in your gas tank. Well, what do you do? First and foremost, you need to detox. How do you detox? Organic sulfur fixes everything. 
It, you will go through a detox process in the beginning. It could last two days. It could last two weeks. You'll feel like crap. But once it passes, it'll never come back. And all those heavy metals and all those toxins and all those parasites and all the radiation and all the crap from the chemtrails, gone. And now the body is starting to heal itself. How do you build your immune system? Start taking superfoods. Hey, you don't have to buy mine. I don't care. You go to a company like Dr. Schultz. He's got superfoods. There's a lot of companies out there with superfoods. You get those superfoods, you add them to your diet, it builds an immune system like crazy. But the one thing that I'm going to tell you that everybody should partake in is fresh bee pollen. Bee pollen is the only plant source food that contains all the B vitamins, including vitamin B12. It includes all the amino acids, all 20 amino acids. It includes probiotics, antioxidants. I mean, it's got so enzymes like crazy that build your immune system. If you go to a health food store and you buy bee pollen, most of it is crunchy. That doesn't work. That's, that's not how bee pollen works. Bee pollen is soft and it melts in your mouth. There's a bee pollen that I found that I saw in the stores. Six ounces sold for $18. So I was doing a, a book signing. Uh, I wrote a book called A Sane Diet for an Insane World, which you can partake in if you go to www.asanediet.com. Anyway, I was doing a book signing, and this guy next to me was the guy who was selling to the stores this bee pollen. And I said, do you sell higher quantities? He said, yeah, I can, I can sell you um, 21 ounces. And I'm thinking, 21 ounces? Oh, my God. Here's six ounces being sold for $18. And I said, well, how, how much would it cost me? He says, well, your cost would be $27. I'm saying, hell, if this retailed in a store, this would be almost seven, over $70. For 21 ounces, this guy's going to sell me this for $27. So I decided, okay, I'll make three bucks on it. That's going to cost me the gas to take it from my house down to the post office and back. So I sell 21 ounces of the most incredible soft, melt-in-your-mouth bee pollen, full of stuff. And 21 ounces is going to last you a long, long time. It is by far the best. And if you're eating bee pollen and it's not soft, you threw your money away. Okay. And I talked about my website, healthtalkhawaii.com. You can read all about it on there. So now, how do we transform a corporate lie into a scientific fact? Seriously. Whether it's big tobacco, big food, big pharma, or big biotech, the process of transforming a corporate lie into a scientific fact is always the same. Seriously. The process 
that we see over and over and over and over again. As the poison-pushing corporations infiltrate the media, the science journals, the medical schools, and the legislative agendas to twist the truth and harm the public are simple. And that technique is what has been used to push a long list of poisons onto the public, which include aspartame, glyphosate, GMOs, mercury in the vaccine, psychiatric drugs for little kids, mind-altering SSRI drugs, statin drugs, fluoride in the water supply, DDT, sodium nitrate in processed food, atrazine, and BPA. So how do they turn a corporate lie into a scientific fact? Number one, you study or you identify the lie you want to become a scientific fact. DDT and Agent Orange are safe. GMOs are safe. All vaccines are safe. Chemicals are good for you. Coca-Cola is a healthy snack. Then you pay the researchers or the writers to fabricate studies or articles that support your lie. You donate to the U.S. universities. You offer huge pay to the academic researchers. You ghostwrite science articles, and then you pay the scientists to add their names. Then you get your fabricated studies published in the scientific journal or the mainstream media article. And that encompasses the Journal of American Medical Association, the New England Journal of Medicine, and the British Medical Journal. Then you corrupt the media with advertising dollars so they begin to slant their news in your direction. See? It's all about money. Then you direct the media to invite your paid mercenary scientists to repeat the facts you got published in the science journal. And then you characterize anyone who challenges your facts as being anti-science. <laughs> you understand? And then the last step is you watch, you rinse, and you repeat. So cigarettes, DDT, Vioxx, GMOs, vaccines, fluoride, glyphosate, chemical pesticides, high fructose corn syrup, aspartame, chemical food preservatives, and mass medication. It's all the same. It is one big corporate lie repackaged as a scientific fact. Seriously. <laughs> this is this is what we are faced with in life. Do you like it? <laughs> I hope not, but you gotta do something about it. I can already give you the information. It's like the last chapter of my book at the waterhole. Hey man. 
I can only lead you to the water hole. I can't make you drink the water. Now we got Frito Lake Corporation, their Texas based, their parent company is Pepsi, that has been caught selling deadly processed food products that contain GMO, pesticide producing corn, and Monsanto's Roundup herbicide glyphosate which has been scientifically linked to causing hormone disruption, reproductive damage, digestive disorders, and more. So there were these tests that were done on Frito-Lay sun chips. And they revealed the presence of genetically modified BT corn, which is comprised 100% of the corn used in the product. Now, you may recall that BT corn creates its own insecticide inside every cell of the plant, which cannot be washed off and is regulated by the EPA, the Environmental Pollution Agency. So in other words, BT corn is not food. Then they did seeding studies on mammals, finding that BT corn causes immune system disturbances, Blood biochemistry disturbances, male reproductive organ damage, disturbances in the functioning of the digestive system, and signs of organ toxicity. So the proteins from the BT corn, which supposedly break down in the digestive tract, have also been found circulating in the blood of pregnant and non-pregnant women. <laughs> you got to love it. So what, what do you give birth to? A pesticide? Come on, give me a birth. So also in the sun chips, they found dangerously high levels of glyphosate, which is the active ingredient of Monsanto's Roundup weed killer. And then they're using these testing methods. A consumer advocacy group, the GMO Free USA, they observed levels of glyphosate in sun chips that average 0.14 parts per million, which is ridiculous. And we know glyphosate has been prolifically linked to damaging the endocrine, which is the hormone system, and triggering birth defects, infertility, and major damage to the kidney and the other vital organs. And guess what? It destroys the gut micro biota, which the body needs to process and assimilate nutrients, as well as fighting off harmful pathogens and maintain strong immunity. So the real insidious part about all of this is that the chips are marketed as a healthy whole grain snack food, low in saturated fat and cholesterol. And aside from the fact that both saturated fat and cholesterol are important nutrients required for health, the insinuation that they aren't is a deception based on some pseudoscientific prejudice and ignorance. Seriously, where, where, where would I get saturated fat that's healthy? Gee, you think maybe avocados? Oh, my God. You think maybe olive oil? You 
think maybe coconut oil. Oh, of course, you don't hear about that. Of course, there's no money in advertising on that. But sun chips is some kind of an earth-based food. Yeah, you wouldn't think that's criminal or false advertising, would you? And it doesn't come as a shock, considering that Frito-Lay's parent company, Pepsi, spent more than $13 million fighting against GMO labeling. And both Pepsi and Frito-Lay are the major purveyors of GMO junk food, which are marketed directly to little kids, and which we now know are loaded with chemical poisons in the form of pesticides and herbicide residues. I mean, you see what I mean? This is this is what we're faced with. What do you do? I mean, Pepsi, the owner of Frito-Lay, has been one of the biggest financial contributors to the fight against consumers needing to know if they're eating GMOs. Okay, you want their breakdown? They contributed over $8.1 million to defeat the California initiative. Actually, their total of $81 million. In California, they spent $2,485,400. In Washington, they spent $1,628,99. In Colorado, they spent $1,650,000. In Oregon, they spent $2,350,000. And they spent an additional $5 million on lobbying in 2013 and 2014, $8.1 million total so far in a couple of years to defeat you and me having the right to know what's in our food. Hmm. Gee, could there be something wrong with this movie? I don't know. Probably not. Oh, my God. The, the, the media will come up and say something that is controversial that will just side with them and will say, yeah, I knew it all along. I just waited for someone to come out and tell me. <laughs> but changing this a little bit, remember a time not too long ago when regular grocery store chains and places like Walmart had no idea what organic food was? They didn't know about organic milk. They didn't know about organic bread. They didn't know about organic produce. They never carried it. You had to go to some weird little health food store or farmer's market if you didn't live near a Whole Foods to find non-GMO healthful foods that weren't full of pesticides. But thankfully, the consumers, that's you and me, were demanding different products. And the demand for organic food has busted through the glass ceiling. And how does this come about? It comes about through education. The masses are starting to wake up about what's happening around the planet. But either way, you can't argue with the numbers. You see, because eating organic is no longer a fringe or something done solely by the, the health nuts or the athletes or the hippies 
for the paranoid. Consumer demand for organic food is seeing double-digit growth year after year after year, and it doesn't show signs of stopping. Over 20,000 stores now offer organic food products, and a report showed that in 2012, more than $28.4 million was spent on healthful organic food, and that number has grown since the report published those findings. And according to the Nutrition Business Journal, organic food sales will reach $35 billion this year. And for those of us who don't take our health for granted, this is just the beginning of a food revolution. What we are seeing is that we're eating better in every category of food, not just apples and oranges. People are boycotting toxic food-producing companies faster than you can say lawsuits as they realize they've been lied to. People now know that something made bad with chemical additives or sliced and diced with GMOs is anything but normal. People are turning away from Kellogg's and Pepsi and Coke and Kraft to companies that they can actually trust and companies that do not sell us non-food and call it food. This is what's happening. People are waking up. People are realizing that they have to take responsibility for themselves. When they shop, they relabel. If it had anything that had a face in a mother, they know that it contains GMOs and other toxins and other pesticides. So they try to buy organic. People say that they can't afford that, but what they find is the more they eat the plant-based organic foods, the less they have to pay, if anything, to their quack doctor. You see, the word patient is a sophisticated word for customer. And the success of any business, the success of any business is repeat customers. So you have to stop being a repeat customer for the medical profession who only learn how to dispense drugs and, like I said, use this little personal pocket knife to cut out an organ. So for more information, go to www.healthtalkhawaii.com to read about products that will help your strong. Go to www.sainsdiet.com and pick up a copy of the same diet for an insane world and learn from people that have dedicated their lives to those subjects about what should be Hey, man, I'm just a place. I'm just a little guy living in a puddle in the middle of the Pacific. I ain't nobody special, you know what I mean? I'm just giving out the information. Anyway, if you need to 
contact me, and I don't mind if you do. My email address is S Goldstein, H E S H G O L D S T E I N at gmail.com. And I welcome your emails, and I'll respond to everybody and anybody. And let me remind you one more time. Start with organic sulfur crystals. They have super smooth components to your diet. And within one year, you will forget what kind of miserable shape you're in right now. So, George Harrison is doing his thing. He's telling me i got a bail on you. And, uh... If I make it to next week, I'll catch you all next Thursday, okay? So until then, aloha and be well. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is a coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. 
What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
All right, good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 26th of March, 2015, and it is Thursday. It's about 10 minutes after noon Pacific time. If that's all true where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And that means you can participate in the show. That's pretty much the difference between live and recorded. Call in 855-566-3738 if you'd like. 855-566-3738. All right, there you go. Or you can go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com and uh, look for the chat link there. And once you find the chat link, you click it, follow the instructions, and you're in there. If you are in there, you can ask questions, make comments, or just chat with the other folks in there. All right. Well, those of you who were trying to listen in the middle of the night, uh, I don't know, 4.30, 5 a.m., and... Uh, Oh, we had a power outage, so AVR should have been, but everything's good now. Yeah. No problems. And, you know, I, I never know around here. I mean, we have we have huge windstorms that you would think would knock down all the power poles and know, crashing trees through people's houses and things like that. And we, we we have power, no problem, uninterrupted power. And then on sunny, nice days, boom, the power goes out. You, you just never know around here uh, what's it going to be, you know. Well, this is the whole thing. I mean, you're looking at multi-billion dollar companies here that, you know, they have their failures. So, you know, when AVR has uh, technical problems, you know, it's not because uh, unprofessional or because we're alternative or because we're small or because anything like that. Technology fails, okay? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many backups you have. It doesn't matter how redundant you can be. It doesn't matter. Stuff fails. If you're using technology, it will eventually fail. The only question is, well, how fast can you get it back? How fast can you figure it out? Well, that's that's the only question, not whether it will fail. The question is, when will it fail? And like I say, it doesn't matter if you're a multi-billion-dollar company. Hey, you watch the uh, watch the uh, the newscast. They have as many failures as anybody, man. How many glitches and oops and all kinds of things. I mean, you know, so, and again, a multi-billion dollar organization. And they're not, they're not 100%. They're not even, they're not even 70%, okay? So, you know, it's just the way it is. But that's, uh, you know, 
know, something that, you know, this is something that our bread itself. You expect that. Oh, well, power's out. Well, I'm sure there's a good reason. Oh, well, we'll just have to sit and wait for it to come back on. Oh, my telephone has a crackling sound in it. Oh, well, I'll call and maybe someday they'll get around to fix it. Oh, well. Yeah, because you're used to it. It happens all the time. Thing is, ADR is always there, and when it isn't, it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, or somebody thinks they came and got me. Nobody figures, well, uh-oh, we're out of, uh-oh, the power went out. They must have come and got of Pacific Power. Yep, the feds kicked his door in and shut down Pacific Power. That's what happened. Nobody thinks that, huh? I do appreciate people's concern. Not appreciate you know out of my control because hey, it happens. It it happens to anybody who deals with technology in any way. I mean, and that that means electricity. Okay, unless you're not using electricity. Oh wait, if you're not using electricity, then you're not listening. So this doesn't apply to you. Now, in the chat room, see, this is this is why I like people to actually participate and say what's what's on your mind in the chat room. Now, somebody asks a good question: How many people in the U.S. know that there has been a constitutional coup? Coup, you know. Overthrow. There. How many people know that the Constitution only allows the Fed to own Washington, D.C. and nothing in a sovereign state? Well, those are good questions, and I doubt the answer is very enthusiastic because probably very – I mentioned it, that this was at Texas Tech. A respected, high dollar, hard to get into university, Texas Tech. You got a diploma from Texas Tech, people figure, hey, you're pretty educated. You, you think, well, they took a camera around Texas Tech and they must have asked 10 students. You might say, well, you know, I'm sure they edited it and these are the 10. That may be true, but. There's still students at this college. How did they slip by the rigorous, you know, uh, exams and everything you got to do to get in? And what I'm talking about is, you know, this is a very good question, and I've got to say probably nobody or close to nobody because these 10 students, that none of them knew was even in the Civil War. Forget what it was about, what were the political ramifications, or all that good stuff. No, 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 no. They didn't even know who participated in it. Now, you know, these are all funny to laugh at and go, 
you know, I, I got to say, you know, I, I, I wasn't really amused. I was more shaking my head going, you know, this isn't Texas. Texas Tech, you would figure, you know, a state like that would be, I don't know. But anyway, back to the question. Constitutional coup? Well, here's the problem, folks. In my mind, okay, and this is arguable, and anybody can have a different opinion. And I do have, I have evidence. I don't have proof. But I have evidence to back up my point of view, my opinion. But I can't prove it. All I can do is show you evidence as to why I believe what I believe. And you can argue it if you have your own evidence to say, well, I've got evidence to say this. Okay, and we can talk about it. And maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, maybe you're wrong, who knows. But my point of view on this is that there, the constitutional coup, there has been no constitutional There was a war. And it was a war of the federal government against the states of the Union. All the states of the Union. Not just the southern states. The southern states were the ones that wouldn't surrender. The northern states surrendered to the federal government. And then they took up arms against their brothers, who would, who would not surrender to the federal government. And the states of the Union lost. This country was chopped up into military districts that have been administered by Washington, D.C. ever since. That's the way I view it. And like I said, I, I'm not going to present it. You know, you know th- this is what I believe has happened. And everything after that, you know, 1933, the taking the gold out, the whole nine yards, all of it after that. Matter of fact, I think the, the, the so-called Great Depression was manufactured as a cover to institute a fiat currency and steal all the gold. You know, I, I mean... I don't think it was a deciding factor. I think it was a cover story. You might think, oh, my gosh, what do you mean cover story? People died. People lost everything. People were destroyed. You know, yes, that's right. I mean, haven't you noticed these people in charge are psychopaths, demon-possessed, evil beings? I mean, you know, you can believe whatever you want they are possessed or not possessed or psychopaths or not psychopaths, but you cannot deny what they've been doing. These people will shoot down airplanes full of innocent people just to kill one guy. They'll blow down whole parts of cities to make a buck. 
I mean, they, you know, they don't care. Your lives, you better start realizing this. Their lie, your lives are meaningless to them. Folks, they're feeding you pesticides. I hope you will listen to the last show. Because, look, I don't agree with Hesh on, you know, I'm not a vegetarian and I'm not a vegan. Now, I see the value in eating less animal protein, but you can't, I I don't believe you can just cut it out. I think you've got to have animal protein. And it's got to be sufficient. Now, I don't know what that is. I'm not a nutritionalist. And I'm sure there's a, a, a point where, okay, you know, this is what you need. Anything less is too little, and anything more is really uh, you're putting a strain on your organs. You know, I, I think it's probably somewhere, and I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you know, that's what it is. And that's what I believe in. Hesh believes in being a vegan, and that's fine. You know, I mean, people can live the way they want to live as far as I'm concerned. And people should try what they ate. That sounds good to me. Let me give it a try. Fine, give it a try. See how it works for you. But the fact is, they're poisoning us. Whether you eat vegetables or you eat meat, it doesn't matter. They're poisoning all of it. Why? Well, what are the underlying reasons? Who knows? To destroy mankind? I mean, hey, let's look at the U.N. documents. They say they want to depopulate the world. Uh, you know, they they got to get the world down to uh, what? A billion or half a billion? Oh, wait a minute. Hey, you know what? There's almost 7 billion people on this planet. What do you figure they got in mind for the other 6 billion? Huh? What do you think their plans are for them? You think it's just like, well, we're going to put you all in, uh, you know, tropical islands where you can live out your life in peace and happiness. I don't think so. So, you know, when you say, well, uh, you know, they're trying to kill us all. Oh, that's insane. That's insane. Only a crazy person would do something like that. And uh, they're not. Look at them. Look at his suit. He's got a nice pink tie on or a nice big bright blue tie. You ever notice that? They always wear the big bright pink or blue tie makes me sick. You know, they're, they're treating you like drooling dogs, folks, because those ties are supposed to... You know why they wear them? No, honestly, these people have people that they pay big money to come up with these things to say, okay, look, uh, you're trying to get this story out. You're trying to put this message out. This is the color tie you need to wear because you'll get this kind of reaction because this color makes people react this way. Yeah, honestly, folks, you think that this is all conspiracy theory? It's not. Go follow the money. See who's on the payroll. And you're going to see these type of people on the payroll, and you're going to wonder, hmm, I wonder why. And then you're going to notice, hey, wow, look at that. Look at that tie. Yeah, look at that tie. You know why? Because while you're looking at his bright, shiny tie, you're not looking at his face. Because if you're looking at his face, you're going to be able to tell he's lying. They don't want you looking at their face. They want you looking at something else. They're playing the old magician's trick. Don't fall for it, folks. These people aren't that smart. Trouble is, 
and, and you know what? And the other people out in the world out here, us little people, we're not all that dumb. The problem is we don't pay attention. Okay? We don't pay attention. And then you've got the fact that, oh, hey, wait a minute now. Uh, we don't pay attention because uh, we're busy. Yeah, we're busy. We're busy worrying about everything else in the world because they have basically destroyed our way of life. Oh, it's bad, folks. It's <laughs> it's bad and it's getting worse. You know, we can just sit down and say, oh, well, I quit, I quit, I don't care. I'm going to just sit here and watch TV or uh, whatever. Oh, all the bad news is depressing me. <laughs> well, you can do that. I don't much favor people like that, and I, you know, the sooner you go, the better, probably. You know, and and but then on the other hand, I understand people say, "Hey, you know what? I don't care. Bring it on. The sooner I die, the sooner I'm out of here, and 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 you know, on to my reward." Well, okay, I get that too, and I can't argue with that to tell you the truth. That's not my particular feeling at this point in my life. But I have had that point of view in the past. So I get that. And that's not necessarily a depressed attitude. Okay, you got to understand, that is not necessarily a depressed attitude to say, hey, sooner the better, I don't care, bring it on, blow the whole thing down, kill us all, what do I care? That's not necessarily a depressed attitude. I mean, you know, <laughs> I get it. But unless you have those one of those two attitudes, you know, the whining, crying, suicidal love, you know, mess that really uh, makes me rethink the whole idea of assisted suicide might be a good idea for some people. Uh, or the person who looks at the world and says, this is a cesspool. Uh, you know what? I- I'm... Uh, been there, done that, and uh, hey, the sooner the better. I get that too, and fine. But if you don't have one of those two attitudes, then uh, I guess you figure, well, I got to try, I want to try to, you know, get through this. Well, if you want to try to get through this, then you're going to have to do something to get through this, okay? You can't just sit around and hope everything works out because uh, everything's not going to work out. This can't work out. This is not going to work out. You know, uh, okay, yeah, I, I get it, because a lot of people say, well, what America needs is a revival, and that's true. And the Bible does say, hey, you know what, if you would do that, God would heal our land and uh, he'll fix things up for us. But is that what you see going on in America? I mean, there are some people that I hear on the radio from time to time, and not just AVR, not, you know, actually not AVR that much, but that, that they'll, they'll actually say, and actually I don't hear them much, I read them more, than, that there's a revival going on in America. I, I You know, I got to think, what? 
Where? What do you mean a revival? And uh, it turns out a lot of the times what they're talking about is churches are growing in numbers. There's more churches propping up. And they've got more people in them. How many churches in the 1930s, you know, had 8,000 seat auditoriums that they filled up two times a day on Sundays? Huh? Yeah. Uh, None? But now they're popping up all over, and these people, these delusional, misled people are calling this a revival. And they're not looking any deeper than the numbers. Oh, look at all the people. Look at all the seats. Look at how big it is, and look at all the money. Woohoo! It's a revival, baby. Well, yeah, okay, but then listen to what's being preached at these big churches. Tolerance. Now, okay, look, a certain amount of tolerance, I get. Tolerance, even to sin, to a certain degree, I get. Like, uh, for instance, to the degree that you're walking down the street and uh, you see your your neighbor who you know is married on the street kissing another woman. Tolerance is that you don't go over there and stone them both to death. That is a certain amount of tolerance to sin. And I get that. But we have taken tolerance to the point of insanity because now, oh, no, not, you know, back in the 40s or 50s, a guy might go over to another guy and say, hey, man, what are you doing? Girlfriend, I think, you know, and then you tell him, uh, look, man, you know, that ain't right, blah, blah, blah. And, and at least you do that, right? I mean, you might still be friends with him, or you might not. You might say, well, look, man, then I, you know, I can't, I can't. Later, man, when you give this up, let me know. But until then, I don't want nothing to do with you. You might do that. You might just tell him, look, man, I think you're making a mistake. You're doing wrong. You may stay friends with him. I mean, but that's how it used to be. At least people would say something. Now we've taken tolerance to the park where you go over there and pat the guy in the back and say, oh, hey, maybe that's fine. Hey, you having fun? That's all that matters, man. That's great. That's great, man. And, oh, by the way, I saw your wife down uh, uh, two blocks from here with a guy. That's great, too, huh? Yeah. Taking things way too far, and these churches are being filled up with people who endorse homosexuality, they endorse adultery, they endorse, above all else, the love of money. I mean, you have whole churches. I just was reading a story the other day about this this, this fraud pastor, reverend, whatever the heck he calls himself, 
I think out of Colorado, who uh, he's telling his people, uh, hey, got to pony up some extra donations. We need 300 bucks from this many thousands of people uh, because, well, we need a new airplane. Yeah, we need a Gulf Stream uh, because our old airplane, man, we put so many miles on it that it's just not safe anymore. So we need a new Gulf Stream. So pony up that money. And, oh, it just happens to be that he preaches the prosperity doctrine. Yeah, and that is simply, God wants you to be rich. That's what God wants. God wants his people to be rich, and the richer you are, the more God loves you. And if you're not rich, that's because you're sinning. Basically, that is the prosperity doctrine, and that these, these churches are growing big. And that'd be nice, except it's exactly opposite what the Bible teaches. And you cannot look at that as a revival. I don't care if every stinking last person in America joined a, a, a prosperity church. That's not a revival if what the church is teaching and allowing and promoting is absolutely against what the Bible is about. That's not a revival. That's what's being some of these led or liars are are getting out and saying it's going on in America. The revival? I don't. So we can kind of scratch that off our list of well, maybe things will work out. You know, the maybe things will work out list. No, we we can scratch revival off of that one. I think. When we get back, I've got a clip I want to play for you. Uh, we'll get back to Monsanto. Stay tuned, or we'll be back in a bit. Thank <laughs> you. 
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Wonder, oh, I 
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 26th of March, 2015. It's Thursday, uh, about 12.45 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's true where you're at, whatever time zone you're in, you got to adjust it for Pacific Time. You can participate in the show. Go to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Uh, find the chat link, head on in there, follow the instructions, and you'll be in there. They're having a good conversation in there about stuff and things pretty much relevant to what uh, I was talking about. And uh, I'm going to bring up some of it, and then we'll get on to uh, more stuff that I have on here. There's just stuff, stuff, and more stuff. Uh, But anyway, uh, oh, yes, the song. Sorry, time is up in the chat room. The song, the first one was, of course, Fleetwood Mac. No, not the fraud, phony, baloney, pop Fleetwood Mac. No, the original Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green. Anyway, uh, and the second one there was by a giant in blues, Elmore James. I'm sure you know the song, The Sky is Crying. Anyway, there you have it. Now, some of the things people are saying in the chat room is that, for one, um, that, you know, we suffered a genocide in this country, that people have either, you know, unknowingly forgotten about or don't want to think about, whichever it is, But back in the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl, and why I bring this up, why, you know, why I'm mentioning this particularly is because the fact is 
you know, here's what they said. Yeah, the independent, self-sufficient family farms were taken away with the engineered Great Depression and deliberate Dust Bowl conditions that starved 6 million Americans in the western cities. Western states, sorry. Well, I don't know. I can't verify the 6 million, but probably. Give or take a million here or there. Yeah. And, folks, why this is important to you to know, to remember, because, uh, hello, look around. It's happening again. Okay? They're doing it again. Why? Why they do it the first time? Because they were, they had to cover a big, big, humongous shift in the way government was run, the way the monetary system was run. They had to be able to institute a new order. And in order to do that, they had to get rid of a lot of people. They had to distract a lot of other people. And that's exactly what they did. And that's what it was about. And they're going to do it again. Now, a lot of people speculate about, well, what's going to be the new order? The new economic order. You know, and yeah, it could be electronic. It could be this. It could be that. It's going to be something. I don't know what it is. You see, this is the whole thing, too. Other, You know, and folks in the in the chat room were talking about this is... There's not going to be a revival as long as we're killing, you know, babies by the truckloads. Oh, wait, did I say truckloads? I meant stadiumfuls, okay? As long as we're killing babies by the stadiumful, remember, this is a big country, folks, 330 million people. And we are killing babies by the stadiumful. As long as we do that, there'll be no revival. There'll be no healing. And I agree with that. You know, the whole fraud church pushing things that, you know, they call a revival because more people are joining up for churches that promote something completely opposite of what the Bible promotes is one aspect. But then there's the underlying murder going on of innocent children. And there'll be no healing until that stops. I agree with that. The Dust Bowl. Look what's going on in California. They got a drought. Now, does anybody out there still believe that they can't manipulate the weather? Now, I don't think they can control the weather. See, there's a difference between control and manipulation. Now, yes, the outcomes can be different. But the procedure is not the same. Manipulation is not the same as control. Control means, well, I'm going to put a, uh, you know, we're going to get, we're going to, this, uh, area over here, two inches of rain, and we're going to give that a... I don't believe they have that capability. 
but they can manipulate the weather, and they have been working on this since the 40s. So, you know, folks, don't you think? I mean, okay, let's look at computers. They had rudimentary computers in the late 40s that we knew about, maybe before that even, but at least that we knew about. But look how far they've come. I remember when I was in high school, we had a computer. You could take a computer class in high school if you were one of the, you know, special, smart kids, right? I got to play around in there just because, I don't know, I weaseled my way in somehow. I didn't really, uh, <laughs> I didn't really qualify, but, you know, I got to mess around in there anyway. Not much, I, because I, you know, I always got chased out because I wasn't really supposed to be in there. But this, this, this computer did almost nothing, and it took up a whole room. Now look. So the advancements we've made in computers since the 40s are spectacular. So if they've been working on weather manipulation since the 40s, don't you think they'd have a comparable advancement? Don't you think? Just because they let you know about the computers and they haven't let you know about this, and they have let you know about it, it's not like it's a secret. It's an open secret. It's out in the open. It's right there. Except people don't think about it. They don't, oh, I don't know what people think about. But then we take fracking. And, you know, people are blinded, really blinded blinded, smart people who are otherwise intelligent and can think are blinded by this Ronald Reagan illusion of economic freedom and capitalism, and they love fracking, even though it's clearly destroying the aquifer and probably doing a lot more bad things than that. Because this fracking fluid that they're putting in the earth is toxic waste. They have found yet another place to get rid of their toxic waste without having to pay for it. Just like fluoride, just like table salt, just like gasoline. See, people don't realize table salt is a waste product that instead of having to pay toxic waste disposal, they figured they'd feed it to you instead. The same thing they did with fluoride and the same thing other than they don't feed it to you, but gasoline. Do you realize that most of the profit that comes off a barrel of oil is not the gasoline? It's not the diesel fuel, it's the petrochemicals that they make plastics out of and pharmaceuticals. They extract all those things and sell them. And then what's left over that they would otherwise have to find a way to dump, they sell it to you to burn in your car. Yeah, to the tune of $2.89 a gallon, 
when oil is 40 bucks a barrel. That's what it is here in Oregon, folks. I'm sure you're paying less, but we're not. All right, here's something. Let's see. Uh, a Monsanto lobbyist was on a, uh, a radio show. Uh, no, TV show. He was on a TV show. And, uh, well, let's just, uh, I'll, I'll just play this. He's on, this was a French TV show. And he was telling them how safe, uh, you know, things are. But we'll listen to this and we'll see uh, how safe it really is. And, and what he says, you know, I, I listen to what he says. He'll tell you one thing, and when the guy says, okay, then do that. Well, I'm not an idiot. Well, I do not believe that glyphosate in Argentina is causing increases in cancer. You can drink a whole quart of it, and it won't hurt you. Yes, yes. Right. You want to drink some? We have some here. I'd be happy to, actually. Yeah. Not not really, but not really? I know it wouldn't hurt Maybe. me. If, if you say so. I have some glyphosate. No, no, I'm not stupid. Ah, okay. So you, you, you. No, but I know that. Dangerous, I know. Right? I know people try to commit suicide no, with it and fail fairly regularly. Tell the truth. It's, it's not dangerous, dangerous to humans. No, no, it's not. So are you ready to drink one glass of No, I'm not an idiot. Interview me about golden rice. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, then it's finished. Then the interview is finished. Yeah. Here, a complete jerk. Oh my, a complete jerk because. You know, who's the jerk here? That was the Monsanto lobbyist saying, you could drink a whole quart of this and it wouldn't hurt you. Okay, Mr. Big Mouth, here's a quart of, uh, you know, whatever your glyphosate. Drink it up. I'm not an idiot. Well, what do you mean? No, it's not harmful to humans. Then drink it. No, I'm not stupid. Well, apparently we are stupid then, aren't we? If we believe him that he says, oh, this isn't harmful for you, I guess we must be the stupid ones if we believe him. And that's why he got up and walked off, because uh, he realized, man, (laughs) this guy got you. You got no way out. You're telling people they can drink a quart of this crap, and it won't hurt them. But when... You're offered to drink a quart of it. Your answer is you're not stupid. You're not an idiot. So that means he's saying, you people out there, you are stupid and you are idiots if you believe this stuff is not harmful to you. Little critical thinking, folks. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Well, here's a bit of news. Wow. I'm, here's a news flash. This is, oh, boy, are you sitting down? The stock market is rigged. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. This guy here says, uh, it's John Crudell. He says, uh, when I started making that claim years ago and provided solid evidence, people stopped. Some called it a conspiracy theory, tinfoil hats and that sort of stuff. Most people just ignored me. But that's not happening anymore. The dirty secret is out with stock prices. Oh, and again, let's go back to who did this. Your hero, Ronald Reagan. That's right, the president's uh, plunge protection team. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, Mr. Deregulation Manipulator. With stock prices rushing far ahead of economic reality over the last six or so years, more experts in the financial markets are coming to the same conclusion, even if they don't fully understand how it's being rigged 
or the consequences. And that's the big thing, folks, the consequences, okay? You know, all this knowledge and intelligence about what's going on, what's gone on, all our ideas about what may go on, what might happen, maybe who's who, uh, it's all very interesting, but none of it matters other than what are going to be the consequences, okay? That's really what people need to focus on. I mean, if we had more time, if things weren't so far down the road, maybe all that other stuff would be nice, but you see, we don't. We need to start thinking, okay, what are we going to do when we hit the wall? Because we're hitting the wall. Whatever you believe, whatever you'd like to dream of or think of, we are hitting the wall. You can ignore it, you can deny it, you can do what you want, but the fact is we're going to hit the wall. So it it seems to make sense to me to figure out, well, what are we going to do when we hit the wall? Not why we hit the wall, uh, what's the future say, uh, you know. Anyway, I'll be back again tonight. Financial survival is coming up next, and you can find out more about the financial end of things, which, uh, boy, that affects everybody. Anyway, as always, thanks for listening. Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Once again, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-host, Alfred Addis, will be joining you along with James Corbett of the Corbett Report right after the first break of today's program. And uh, But today we've got some um, uh, March 26, 2015. It's Thursday. And, yes, it's been a hectic day and busy day here at Discount Gold and Silver and, uh, yes, I'm only here 20 minutes, but uh, um, 20 minutes, uh, there's a flurry of uh, commotion right before the uh, program, so uh, uh, bear with me here, folks. But once again, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us, and this program is brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver Trading, 1-800-375-4188. Well, it was a flurry of activity in the gold market today, however... A lot of that flurry uh, we couldn't keep, but we kept some of it. Gold is up $8.40 right now at 12.04, although the high of the day was 12.20. Uh, the silver was up $0.10 cents today at $17.15. Platinum was up 8 at 11.58. And palladium is up 6 at $774. The USDX today turned around a little bit today, up 47 at 97.33. Crude oil is up big, up two bucks, 212 at 51.33, and I have a feeling it's going to stay there. Uh, there's just um, too many things going on, and I think uh, one of the big news stories going on right now is what's happening over in Yemen. And uh, I'm not a military person, and uh, uh, so forth, so I won't go into that today, but I told Al yesterday, I think Yemen is, is one of the bigger stories. I think that could have a lot of potential uh, of things uh, becoming fairly explosive, and certainly no pun there intended, but uh, uh, but we'll see. And uh, the markets today, the paper markets, we have the Dow down 40 points at 17,678. The NASDAQ was down 13 at 4863. S&P down 5 at 2056. Ten-year popped, of course, uh, 0.09, just a little over 2%, 2.01. And the euro is down, of course, with the dollar being up, 109.82 to the downside, 0.82 down at 109. Um, <coughs> excuse me, foreign markets. Nikkei was down uh, a little over one and a third. It was down almost 300 points. Uh, the Hong Kong market, the Hang Seng, was down a little bit. Uh, Germany, uh, London was down uh, a little bit more than Germany. It was down uh, also one and a third percent, a little over one and a third percent, down almost 100 points. So the markets do seem to Coming a little to the weak side, I'm not saying we're certainly in this uh, big correction mode, but uh, we'll have to see how it uh, follows through 
the big story of the day was, of course, uh, uh, the airline uh, crash uh, that occurred yesterday. A lot of information is coming out about that. Of course, we're told it was not a suicide and it was not a terrorist act. I don't know how it could be a suicide act if they're saying that the airline uh, co-pilot was depressed. Now they're saying, I, you know, he dealt with depression and so forth. Well, if you ram your plane into, you know, a, uh, a mountainside, you'd think that would be called suicide. But uh, so again, it, it's interesting. It seems like a little more information has been released, um, more so than what our media would do. Uh, but yet they're now they're doing the. I guess they really don't know anything, and you have all types of possibilities that uh, could occur. Uh, but I think certainly uh, we saw gold up big um, due to perhaps that being a terrorist act and possibly what's going on in Yemen. So uh, we'll have to see if we can keep the uh, pressure on gold. It was good to see gold close above 12. Uh, I had wanted to see that yesterday, but we got it today. And uh, so uh, that was a good sign. That was a good sign. So uh, I think... Uh, of course, gold is certainly pop, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, strong for the future. Another news report that sort of uh, eclipsing the plane crash and what's going on in Yemen, and, and also what's going on with the uh, agreement with Iran. There was an explosion, I guess, that collapsed an East Village building in New York. Uh, there has been multiple reported uh, multiple injuries that have been reported. And I believe that just happened uh, perhaps about a half hour, not, maybe not even a I guess it happened around 3.20, uh, the explosion and collapse on uh, a Manhattan's East Village. It happened at 3.20 at 7th Street and 2nd Avenue this afternoon. Multiple injuries have been reported. Um, I guess the building did collapse. And uh, it's, a, it's a residential and a commercial building. Uh, fire could be seen uh, tearing through at least two buildings at the location. And, of course, uh, you know, more information will come out about that. And, of course, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, possible a, a gas leak explosion uh, that was uh, on that. But, uh, you know, all the theories come out in the beginning, and, uh, you know, we – Wonder how much of it is true, <laughs> and the rest of, and the rest of the story is uh, is it real or is it is it reality? Is it the truth? So you know that's something that uh, we continue to to speak. But um, so so that uh, took over the headlines in the news uh, for now, anyway. And uh, we'll see which headlines uh, we go go back to. Uh, so I think next week is going to be an interesting week in, in the markets. You have a you know, a lot of uh, economic reports coming out on, on Monday. They're going to release uh, personal income for February. Uh, the National Association of Realtors, they're releasing their pending home sales. You know, those you know, aren't too big. Um, the index, the uh, Pace-Shiller Index of Homes prices uh, will be out for January. Consumer confidence might be an interesting one to watch next week week that's coming out on Tuesday. Um, the Manufacturing, the uh, Institute for Supply and Management releases that's their index uh, uh, on uh, uh, Wednesday, April 1st. 
April Fool's Day, April 1st. So we'll have to see. So there's a lot of reports coming out uh, next week. Um, mortgage rates and so forth, no big deal there. Um, and the employment data, of course. Uh, uh, I don't know if they'll release it uh, Friday morning or not. Uh, the uh, stock market is closed for Good Friday. Most likely we will have a rebroadcast for Friday, um, as it being Good Friday. Uh, we will probably op be open to sh you know, shorter hours on Friday, but uh, we will be here to service you in the morning. And um, so I'm not, not sure if they'll uh, hold that uh, employment data or if they will actually release the uh, employment data at 8.30 that morning. So there is a report in one of my coin literature that uh, the United States Mint, if the United States Mint maintains its current monthly sales average for the American Silver Eagle, this product is on track to eclipse the 2014 record-setting sales total. During 2014, the U.S. Mint uh, recorded sales of a little over 44 million silver bullion coins, the American Eagle. So far in 2015, the U.S. Mint has recorded sales to its authorized purchasers of 5.53 million silver eagles in January, 3 million in February, and the count through March 24th is 2.7, almost 2.8 million coins that have been sold. So even if no more sales are registered during the remainder of March, total sales recorded thus far would average 3.7 million. So maintaining that sales pace over each of the remaining nine months of the calendar would push the 2015 total to over 45 million, almost 45 and a half million, which is comes out to about uh, what three percent higher than 2014. So I mean, we do see months where bullion sales slow. Of course, you know the summer season, the summer doldrums, June, July, and August, and then of course we have the pickup. For September, October, and November, and um, and you, you could look at December sales; they can go either way. So the demand is there, folks. Uh, people are purchasing gold and silver. We have been on this trend for the past couple of years. Even 2013 was a a good year, and then of course 2014 was the record, and uh, now we're on the way to beat that record for 2015. A lot of you. When I said we had either one or a hundred of those specials yesterday, well, you guys took me for my word and uh, certainly purchased a lot of those specials that we were having that included a 10th uh, uh, ounce gold eagle and a tube of silver eagle. So that was a very, very, you know, and I appreciate each and every one of you who purchased those packages and picked up multiple of those packages. That really was uh, a really good price. Um, it was interesting also in this uh, report that I received, I, I, I didn't know exactly what the U.S. Mint sold uh, to the authorized dealers. So you know how very little markup is in these coins that you pay for. The authorized purchasers that buy directly from the Mint is 
a premium of $2 per coin. The authorized purchasers acquire the coins for the closing precious metal spot price of the metal as established as established by the London Bullion Market Association on a given day plus a premium of $2. So when we tell you that we're only charging, you know, for large volumes of, you know, maybe, you know, who knows, you know, 45 cents, 50 cents, 75 cents, there isn't there are not a lot of mark and this is to the authorized purchasers. There's another wholesaler in there where he marks up from that two dollars. So, you know, my buyer charge is two forty five. My buyer gets forty five cents. So and then we are the retailer we sell to you. So, you know, they're they you really do get a lot of silver for your dollar, even though you're paying that premium, and the premiums on those silver coins and those silver eagles, highly unlikely they're ever going to be reversed and go lower uh, because you have so many hands into the pie, so to speak. So you do get a lot of silver for your dollars, and I've always liked the American silver eagles. They're beautiful coins, and we do have them for sale here. So give us a call at one 800 Three seven five forty one eighty eight. I saw another report. I guess we're talking about gold today. The latest book value of gold owned by the United States Treasury tops eleven billion. Of course, we all know that's not the market value. Uh, the book value actually represents that total number of troy ounces that they say are held in deep storage and working stock inventories. Interesting multiplied uh, by the established value of that uh, $42 that was set back in 1973. So it's not the value of the market spot price, which, of course, we all know where that's at. So uh, according to the Treasury Department Bureau of the Fiscal Service, Treasury-owned gold held as bullion coins, blanks, and other forms. What those other forms are, total, um, let's be 261 million ounces. So the book value is listed at 11 billion. 60% of the total amount of deep storage gold is stored at the U.S. Mint's Fort Knox. And I know, I agree with you folks out there. Everyone is saying, well, there's no gold in Fort Knox. And I agree with you. I'm just telling you what this report says and that the additional deep storage gold is held at the West Point Mint and the Denver Mint. And according to the Treasury Department, deep storage is that portion of the U.S. government-owned gold bullion reserve, which the Mint secures in sealed vaults that are examined annually by the Treasury Department's Office of the Inspector General. So they probably show up at the door and say, hey, you have this in there? And the guy at the door says, yep, we do. It hasn't changed. And, of course, I do believe, uh, you know, when you do that type of report versus a true audit, I think you would probably see a very different, uh, very different number if a true audit was taken at these various places. Um, one of the reports we didn't get to yesterday, I, I don't think I touched on it. Uh, one of the big mergers, I'm sure everybody's talked about this, was uh, Heinz and Kraft Foods. 
Uh, they made uh, plans to merge in a deal that would create one of the world's largest food companies. And, of course, the merger was engineered by Heinz owners, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, and a Brazilian investment firm, 3G Capital. And they still need to get uh, some approvals from uh, federal regulators and craft shareholders. But, uh, hey, when your stock shoots up almost 40 percent, you know, I don't think those shareholders are going to say a whole lot. So they're probably out there. I'm not sure they can buy, sell right away, but uh, but the number I wanted to get to, we're just about out of time. Uh, the U.S. Uh, factories for long-lasting manufactured goods that fell in February. So again, it kind of goes against uh, you know some of those housing numbers that they produce because the durable goods is a lot of refrigerators, washers, and dryers, and it doesn't seem people are purchasing them. So again, another sign of a slowing economy that things are not as rosy as all believes, only if you believe in the stock market and people's wealth, people's futures are all based and dependent upon the Federal Reserve. So how do you want to secure your wealth? Do you want to be dependent on the Federal Reserve, making sure that that stock market is constantly high and that you're constantly making money to live? Or do you want to become a little bit more independent and purchase some gold and silver? and preserve your purchasing power. Give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. Make sure you folks stay tuned. Alfred Adask and James Corbett will be joining you here in just a few short will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. 
protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. To Addison, this is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. Our guest is James Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, from the CorbettReport.com. James has been publishing the report. He's been living in Japan for a decade now. Um, I'm not sure how long have you been publishing the Corbett Report, James? Uh, it feels like half a century, but I Doesn't guess I'm going to say uh, this is the eight years. You know, that's a funny thing. You know, I think when you're younger, things do seem like half a century, and when you get older, it seems like maybe maybe 12 or 15 months. Right. You know, it seems like, oh, oh my God, we're just, what, what, 10 years? My God, I just got started on this thing, and 10 years have already gone by. Uh, what do you know about debt for American students? Is it something you follow at all? It is. In fact, I wrote a forecaster editorial on it uh, last year, but it's been several months since I did so, so my, I, I'm not fresh on the details, but I do well, know let's that... Just, all right, let's kick this around just a little bit. We've got business an article from Business Insider entitled, A 20-Year-Old Who's Refusing to Pay Back Her Student Loans Compares Her Cause to Rosa Parks' Fight. That's the headline. Now, the reason this is interesting to me is I saw a report back no, several months ago, on the size of the student debt, college student debt here in the United States, was led to believe that it was about equal to that of the, the, the magnitude of the U.S. bonds being held by China. Both of them were running in the neighborhood of $1.2 trillion, if I understand correctly. Now, that means this is not a small thing. If the students all of a sudden, you know, we say, oh, my gosh, what happens if China decides to sell all the U.S. bonds at one point in time? Well, their value is going to collapse, or at least that's the fear. But what happens if all of the students, or a significant number, refuse to pay their debts? What's the impact on the U.S. economy? Well, in fact, that was the exact um, sort of issue that was recently uh, became a political issue in, in Quebec, there north of the border, where there was the so-called uh, Maple Revolution, where basically students were protesting uh, rising university tuitions, and they were out on the streets and causing a bit of havoc there, So, uh, which I believe caused some, some back off on the plan to raise tuition or something of that nature. But yes, this is a pretty volatile political issue, and 
it should be because there there obviously is a huge huge problem with the idea that uh, students are at graduating with an average debt level of twenty five thousand dollars now um, and and of course that's the average so there are some people with much much more uh, debt literally starting their career at the point where they're already twenty five thousand dollars in the hole that's a huge huge disadvantage to be working from and as you say student loan debt um, surpassed the one trillion dollar mark back in last year and obviously has continued to increase from there so the way that i look at this is there is obviously a problem with student loan debt the question of course as always is what what is the solution i mean everyone understands this is a problem but what is the solution to this and i think that the phony solution that is offered um on on the political left of the phony left-right spectrum is hey well of course more government what we need is the government to oversee these loans and to provide more free loans to students or to provide easier terms of, that students can get uh, get uh, access and funding but the only thing that that ultimately does in the end is increase the cost of education um, whenever the government sticks its fingers into a pie like that like healthcare, it grossly skews the market and it, it, it increases the uh, the cost exponentially and one example of that that i will cite because now i do have my uh, editorial from last year open um, back when the family uh, federal family education loan program was first launched in 1965 student uh, 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 tuition started to started to, to take off so that in 1980 you had the average four-year college degree was two thousand five hundred fifty uh, dollars per year at a public school, 5,594 at a uh, private school. And so fast forward 30 years to 2011, um, that was $15,918 at a uh, public school, $32,617 at a private school. Um, and again, that's, that's just the average. Um, so obviously it goes up from there. But absolutely, I mean, staggering, staggering the amount, obviously much more than just inflation itself seeing a phenomenon where the active involvement of the government's education loan programs um, has skewed the market to increase the cost. And the more that the government in, it gets involved, the more the cost will be skewed. And it's not just the question of cost here, because we're actually looking at a bubble in terms of people invest in something because they believe it will be worth something more in the future. Uh, that's an obvious truism. That's why there was the housing bubble in the beginning part of the last decade, because everyone was looking at the housing prices taking off and going, hey, look, awesome. Look at all this uh, basically easy money you can make by flipping houses. Uh, let's, all, let's all get involved in it. And, of course, it was a bubble because at a certain point, housing prices started going down. Uh, uh, you know, it, house, housing prices will never go down. And then they do, and the bubble pops, and everyone gets, uh, who's still holding that gets ca caught holding the bag and ends up in uh, underwater and in deep, deep financial trouble, as we all know all too well. Well, what's the analogous situation in a student loan bubble? It's that everyone believes at this point that you need a college education in order to succeed in life because you can't get a good job without a college education. So everyone invests in it because they all believe they're going to make money out of uh, uh, sort of in, they're investing in their future quite literally. They believe they're going to make money in the long run out of it. And because everyone now gets a college degree or nearly everyone, it really devalues the meaning of college education itself. And this is something I've talked about quite a few times on my program. And I always want to stipulate, I'm not saying that college 
isn't worth it. I'm not saying that there isn't a point to education or that there isn't a good thing that we can take out of it. It's just that when people are investing tens of thousands of dollars in a four-year liberal arts degree, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's understandable because a lot of jobs these days do come with this stipulation that you need some sort of college degree, but it shouldn't be that way. And the more government gets involved, the more it skews it toward that, uh, that end of the spectrum. So that I think what we really need is a generation of people to shun that career path, that idea that you need to go and, and sit in a classroom in order to, to become a member of society. I mean, certainly if you're going to be an engineer or something that requires specific specialized training, by all means, please get that specific specialized training. But if you're going to be doing, you know, all these other things that now people believe they need a college education for, shun it, skew it. And if one or two people do that, that will not work. That will not deflate this bubble. But if, uh, if a generation grows up stopping believing in this idea of the, the college degree as valuable in and of itself, then perhaps we can turn this around. I think the question is, when the government steps in and says, we're going to subsidize these students by helping them pay for college, are they really subsidizing the students or are they subsidizing the universities? Getting the benefit. If I'm going to give you $5,000 on condition that you're going to turn it over to a university, am I really subsidizing you or am I helping the university to charge more money than they have in the past? You just hit the nail bang on the head there. That is exactly the point underlying this, and that's exactly the point behind the health care scam as well. Again, yeah. if they, if the government isn't giving free manna from heaven and making sure everyone's you know, wiping their nose and everyone's taken care of. They're just forcing you to buy private health insurance from the private health care companies. So it should be no surprise to find out that the representatives of the private health care industry were literally writing that bill. Because, of course, it helps them more than it helps any individual person exactly the same way, as you point out. Uh, the idea that the government's going to help you get an education by helping to fund that, uh, that education, either by giving you money or more likely by helping you secure loans for that uh, education. Of course, ultimately, the people who benefit from that are going to be the universities, the colleges. Of course, they're involved in this. That they, they love this. And that is, unfortunately, that creates that system where you know, the only people who are really interested in this are the people who have been brainwashed into believing it's good and the people who are directly economically benefiting from it. Who's against this? Who's against education out there saying we need less education? That's not a, a political platform that anyone's going to run in or run on. So it's the, it's the thing where it's the, there's, it seems like there's no way to get out of the bubble because it just inflates by itself. When I was, when I was a little boy, I'm, I'm basically twice your age, and I remember back in the 1950s and 60s, the whole country looked like it had a fresh coat of paint. It was clean and it was vibrant and people were prosperous and they were happy to buy new cars and homes and whatever. And it was, I can remember this. I mean, it was just something they did. Oh, my gosh, I got, yourself, I got ourselves, we have a home, we have a car. We, got, we had, it was really a wonderful time. We don't necessarily appreciate it at the time, but in retrospect, you look back and say, yeah, this was special. Now, one of the things I've seen, and I can't quote the statistic exactly, but I saw this probably about four or five months ago, and the statistic was that back in around 1950, it was either 20 or 25 percent of the people who were employed in this country, who had jobs, were self-employed. They had their own little business. 
Maybe they were cleaning the leaves out of somebody's gutters. Maybe they were mowing lawns. Maybe they were digging ditches. I, my, dad, my dad had an excavation business. I grew up digging ditches and driving a dump truck and operating a backhoe and so on. There was a wonderful was a wonderful lesson in this, in having a father, a family that had their own business, because you learned how to work. The self-employed taught their kids how to work. And when there's that many self-employed running around, they take some of the neighbor kids and, you know, young men, whatever, and they've got them there. Yeah, they've got them working, too. Now, I'm under, I'm understanding that currently only about 5% of the American people are self-employed. And I believe the major reason for that is that there's all kinds of people that can hook up the electricity in your house. They know how to do that, but they don't know how to fill out all the paperwork that's required by government regulation. Government regulation has collapsed the number of the percentage of people who are self-employed. Now, my point is this, my speculation. If there aren't many self-employed people in your neighborhood, who is going to teach today's children how to work? And if they haven't learned that lesson while they were teenagers, while they were even grade school, maybe they had a paper route. But if they haven't learned how to work, once they walk out of high school, and aren't, aren't they afraid? Aren't they sitting back and saying, my God, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. i got to go to college. Maybe they'll teach me how I can make a living. Hmm. It makes them, that fear propels people into college because nobody's taught them how to make a buck. You're so right about this. I, I mean, I think you point to something that's really important about this, this whole aspect of it, is that it's a cultural phenomenon. You either grow up in a culture where working for yourself, creating your own business, creating yep. your own employment is something that people do, or it is something that's unthinkable. And if you grow up in a context where that's unthinkable, then, yeah, you will probably more likely to not fall in just as another cog in the big wheel just going along, you know, as the system would dictate and, you know, ending up in college, sitting in a classroom, studying something you'll never use in order, in order to get a job that you don't want. I mean, I, it's, a, it's a sad reality that a lot of people fall into, and for understandable reasons. But you're, you're so right to point to the idea of self-employment being something that was once much more common and distributed in the economy. And I think we can return to that point again. It's interesting you bring this up because as we record this conversation, I am just now working on a podcast that I'm hoping to release this weekend, specifically about this idea that technologically we're starting to see, I think, the, the leading edge of something that could be, and I think is, a civilizational change that's taking place right now from an economy that has been dictated by the mass production of the industrial era into something different. And I think that something different is the idea of a return to the artisan craftsman economy that we saw more represented in the pre-industrial age, where you had, you know, individual handmade objects in kind of literal cottage industries of, you know, people sitting there at home making individual objects by hand. I think we're returning to an era where that type of under, underpinning of the economy is, is really possible now because we are able to directly communicate, market, and sell to people individually anywhere around the world. I mean, that's a huge market opportunity for people who are interested in this. And I think that's something that we have to understand and grasp. And I've never really thought about this before, but it's interesting. My, my father was uh, self-employed for much of my upbringing, not all of it. He, he did work in various, for various companies, but at a certain point, he basically just went off on his own and became a contractor. And that was interesting. It's interesting to think of that now as perhaps a formative 
that I am now following a very, very strange path that I never would have <laughs> understood could even exist, let alone that I'd fall into, where I'm podcasting as a, as a way of making a living. It's, it's bizarre to think about, but it, it's interesting to think how maybe I am influenced by my background and seeing my father creating his own work and his own business and knowing that that's a possibility. And I think that idea that this is possible, and increasingly so now because of the technology at our fingertips, and if we can recapture that, I think there is a chance we can sort of shift this momentum into something much more much more healthy, um, because again, just falling in as a cog on a wheel is not a natural process for humans. We have to be engineered into that type of society, whereas doing something you really love and, and finding people around the world who will support you in that is, I think, a very wonderful and natural way to, to, to organize our society, and one that's at least possible or more possible now than it has been in a very long time. The problem I have, I write articles that appear on the Internet and do radio programs like this that are broadcast in part over the Internet, and I manage to support myself doing it. I'm not, uh, it's not as if I'm becoming a rich man, but I'm, I support myself, and I get by, and I'm pleased, and I enjoy what I'm doing. But the competition is just brutal. I mean, for when we talk about competing on a global basis, there are tens of millions, hundreds of millions, perhaps, people who are, in a sense, competitors. Very difficult to compete in that market because everybody says, hey, I'd like to do a radio program. Hey, I'd like to write something. And maybe they can. And I'm thinking that if we were still living in a smaller community, we were providing services to that community, we would still be necessary. When Right now, one man can, can attract the attention of millions of people at the same time. Where in smaller communities, you might have to have 100 people, one in each community, who was able to attract some sort of similar attention. So it would divide the markets up. It's, we'll talk more about this. this is not, we're not done with the subject, but we are going to take a break for some commercials. I'm Alfred Adams. This is Financial Survival, and we will be back with... James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com. Please stay tuned. financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 that's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. Beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It's been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. 
to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Survival with our guest, James Corbett, from thecorbettreport.com. We're talking about, we started talking about students and university education, perhaps the opportunity to compete around the world, compete with the world to make a dollar in, in what might become a brave new world. I don't know, a great, but James is. You are optimistic that good things may come, but here, here's an article from uh, uh, Steve, uh, it's the, the Australian Financial Review, where Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple Computer, says he's extremely concerned about our survival as the future is scary. He describes his vision of the future in somber hues. He said, computers are going to take over from humans, no question. Was continued, he says, uh, including people like Stephen Hawkins and Elon Musk have predicted, and, and I agree that the future is scary. It's very bad for people. We build these devices to take care of everything for us. Eventually, they'll think faster than us, and they'll get rid of slow humans to run companies more efficiently. He says, we may even become the mere pets. I can understand why I'd come to that conclusion. We get a computer that does all sorts of extraordinary things. I'm talking to you. You're in Japan. We're broadcasting. In theory, we could be reaching thousands or even millions of people at little or no cost. It's a spectacular technology. And yet, as the technology gets more and more efficient and more capable, what do we need you and me for? Maybe the computers will eventually just come to see us as pets or nuisances, or whatever. How do you weigh in on that possibility? Well, it's funny that uh, we've been science fictionally uh, pre-programmed to understand this narrative for many, many decades. So it's uh, something where reality seems to be catching up with science fiction. And it's not just Wozniak. I mean, it's a lot of people who've talked about this possibility. Bill Gates has recently come out to say he's on the side of people who are worried about the possibility of computers taking over the world. And uh, and uh, we've had this, again, from a lot of different people, like uh, Bill Joy, the co-founder of Sun Microsystems, who wrote a very interesting uh, e editorial in Wired magazine back uh, over a decade ago at this point. I can't even remember what year, maybe 99 or something like that, where he wrote about basically um, how th this is what people talk about at high-level technology conferences behind the scenes and, you know, the end of humanity um, in some, you know, horrible catastrophe of one form or another created through technology. So 
is something that people are taking very seriously, and they should do so. I, I'd say there are a couple of things to tease out here. The first is that um, technology replacing human uh, productivity or human labor itself is, I think, not – it is a problem, obviously, for people who are involved in that transition. But overall, if you take the longer-term of history historical sweep, it's not a bad thing that we don't have – horse and buggy manufacturers anymore, and we, we're not crying tears over all the unemployed horse and buggy manufacturers. No, I mean, as a society, we uh, we progress. I mean, you, that's a problematic term, but we, we do move on from certain things. Or, I mean, not always. It's interesting. Again, as part of the research for this podcast I'm working on, I'm, I'm looking at the Industrial Revolution, and it's interesting that you have, um, of course, in England, uh, where the, the, the Industrial Revolution is kind of burst because of these technological processes that, that came around in the 18th century. Well, it wasn't just in England where these processes were taking, where these, these developments were taking place, but it caught on in England. Why there and why not elsewhere? And it's, it's sometimes you can look at certain regulations and things that governments enact to try to protect workers from technology as something that ultimately hinders their, their, their uh, economy and their progress. So, for example, um, in England, you have the textile industry was really the driving force of the Industrial Revolution with all of the, the, uh, the spinning jenny and all of these, these technological developments that put, put a lot of weavers out of work and created some real hardships for a lot of people a generation or two that fell through the cracks and there was riots and protests and uh, during the period from 1790 to 1815 when the uh, British were heavily involved in fighting Napoleon on the continent, they were actually, at various times, had more troops committed at home, on home soil, fighting against rioters and protesters who were protesting the conditions that they were being subjected to as workers who were barely managing to get by. So, you know, there's huge turmoil and, and problems that happen with this. But then again, in the end, um, you, you see what happens with, the, the, with Britain and the economy that it, it eventually arrived at versus somewhere like India, which for 150, 200 years has been fighting this, so that even today there are still people who are protect, in protected jobs um, of, of, that actually do hand weaving, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's natural. I mean, it's a way to make a living, but it's kind of strange that we, it's no longer necessary to do that. So there's, there's a lot of things to tease out here, but I would say that um, there are people who will fall through the cracks in that transition, but it's not necessarily going to be a bad thing for humanity itself. Now, having said all of that, when we're looking at the computer transition, it's not just the replacement of physical labor, which is one thing, you know, people being put out of work at these factories, which, again, is a tragedy for the people who are involved in that transition. Um, but it's also now, as you say, the idea that computers will be able to think, they will be able to strategize, they'll be able to manage, they'll be able to create new things, and that is truly fundamentally different than any technological revolution that's taken place before. And if we do start to cross that bridge, that really is, I mean, all bets are off at that point, because we are entering into a territory that we can't even imagine at that point. There's no way to, to conceptualize that, because we can we can step back and say, yes, people might be put out of work on car manufacturing assembly lines or whatever, but it just means those people who otherwise would be going into a life of going to a factory nine to five and, you know, doing some monotonous task for eight hours a day will now be able to do something else. There, there will be yeah, a generation like that grows what? up and is trained in a different way to, to design the cars, to, to do the computer engineering or things that couldn't even have been fathomed by people who were working in, in factories 50 years but ago. There's a so there's always that. 
But if the, if the computers are now designing the new computers, and if the computers are doing all, the, all, of, that technolo- all of that thinking work as well, then there really is nothing left for, for the average person. Not only that, the computers eventually, when they start thinking for themselves, one of the computers is going to sit back and say, wait a second, we're throwing all this food and we don't eat any food. All we need to do is collect enough energy out of the sunlight or wherever to keep the electrons flowing, to keep the computers, the hard disks, the hard drives spinning and whatever. And they're going to look at the formula and understand what are all these creatures over here that are called human beings? Are they going to regard us as some sort of God-declared beneficiary of this new computerized world? Or will one of the computers say, we don't need them, they don't do anything. Let's get rid of them. I mean, when the computers start thinking, yeah. uh, how are you going to explain that you, you you deserve the job that they've provided for you? Or even maybe you don't right. have a job and you're just living right. in a kind of paradise. Or they're yeah, just, exactly. here comes groceries, I mean, even if it is, today's meals, yeah. already prepared. Didn't have to do anything but get out of bed and feed myself. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, again, this sounds... This, I understand this conversation might sound crazy to people who aren't familiar with it, but there's, I mean, there's a genuine academic debate that's happening right now about, about artificial intelligence and whether it can be controlled in a way. Can we program these computers so that that will not happen? Is it possible? How will it? I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre and you know fascinating. It's not possible. You know it's not possible because I doubt that there's a computer around that can't be hacked into. And it seems almost inevitable. I don't care how fast you got a computer, James. I'm going to get a computer. Yours moves 100 zillion gigabits uh, a second. I want one that's going to do 200 million gigabits a second. We're going to keep competing until one of these computers hacks into the other one and realizes, wait a second, what do you need that guy James, that guy Al for? What are they doing? Well, you really want some nightmares? Because... The way that we think of computers right now are these big clunky things that sit on our desktop right. and that we type things into. But, I mean, our conception of that technology is, is a bit outdated at this point. And really, we're starting to look at the world of nanobots and things where we're, we'll be able to engineer, if not computers in the way we think of them, at least systems, robots, things that will be able to engineer things down at the cellular level. Once you start getting into that and it becomes an arms race, so to speak, of technological means in that regard. Imagine a terrorist, whether real, genuine, or created by some you know, false flag operation or whatever it is, getting their hands on that type of technology, and you start to see the kind of nightmare we're moving into, or, or genetic manipulation, or all of these other things. It's called, uh, there's things called the Grey Goo scenario, um, which is, again, people should look it up, but basically this idea that, it, well, once we start getting you know, the ability to, to nano-engineer um, materials, um, then uh, eventually, well, what if these, these nanobots get out of control or are used for evil purposes and start re-engineering the, the, the planet itself? I mean, it, it, it really is crazy. It is insane. Yeah, but these are the types of things that this technology poses as real, real-world problems. And uh, I, it, I mean, it's so far outside of the constant conception of the average person that I don't think we even have a way to relate to this conversation, let alone engage in it. That's one of the big problems. You know, we talk about there may be an optimistic future where, all right, they may not have people making cars anymore, but we'll free up the labor, and they're going to make new flying machines. I don't know what they're going to make. But the question is, can they? 
there are a lot of people who are having grown up digging ditches. I appreciate the fact that there are a lot of people who aren't, who aren't all that bright, but they can still do a good job of digging ditches. Right? They have the physical ability. They're inclined to work hard. They can do a good job. What do we have for those people when the world is run by computers? How many ditches do we need to dig? There are people that used to have jobs. They could, they could support themselves sweeping the floors as a janitor. That isn't going to happen. We're going to have the Roomba going up and down the halls of the, uh, the, the schools, the universities, wherever. The place will be automatically cleaned. What do we do with people who only have sufficient intelligence and talent to clean floors, dig ditches? There won't be a job for them, and they won't have the intelligence to program the systems analysts. What do we do? A very good question. Yeah, I know. I don't think we can even conceive of what an economy looks like once we start to reach that stage. And once we reach that stage where truly physical human labor has been completely or basically uh, weeded out of the economy, um, how much further is it until it starts penetrating the other layers of society? How much further until there is, you know, com computerized uh, radio hosts and podcasters and we're uh, exactly. in the same boat anyway? I mean, it, exactly. it will become a human, widespread human phenomenon by that point. So it is the question of then, well, what is what is an economy? Why do we why do we participate in all of this? Is is working to earn a living? Is that a, an outdated concept at that point? But then. But then it brings in all the other questions. Well, if it isn't, then who gets to allocate those resources? Who gets to decide on it? Is it going to be a mainframe computer somewhere deciding what we do and don't need and eventually deciding, well, we don't need human life? Yeah, it, it gets into that that sort of Buck Rogers. And I don't have any pat, easy answers for this. No I mean, one does. Once we start reaching that slippery slope, I, I mean, there, and there well, are I some... I think we've reached the slippery yeah. slope. We are to the bottom of the slope. Right. But I think we're on the slippery slope already, and we're sliding. Uh, it's like... Like we're on skis, or what do they call them? The boards that they use. They don't use necessarily use skis anymore. They're not water boards. They're uh, ski boards or whatever. I'm not sure of the term, but we're on that slope, and it is. And if there won't be time to figure it out, this is happening so fast, evolving so fast that what the world is going to be so different ten years from now. It'll be more different ten years from now than it was. In my opinion, there's a good chance it'll change more in the next 10 years than it has in the past 35, and maybe more than that. How do we just, how do we anticipate? This is, we are headed for, we are definitely living in interesting times. Do you get, if you had shown me an iPhone 15 years ago, my mind yeah. would have been blown. Yeah. So, oh, look yeah. at a modern yeah. automobile. The yeah. cars that we thought were cool when I was a kid have more in common with buckboards than they do with the modern automobile. The modern automobile, if I could have seen one of those when I was when I was 18, 20 years old, I would have thought it was a spaceship. It would look like UFO technology. Mm -hmm. And today, uh, no big deal. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to sell any of you, other than you better figure out a way to hang on tight. One of the things you can do is you can get yourself a job. You know, plumbers, electricians. If I'm the electrician, if I'm the local electrician, I've got a job. I don't, as an electrician, I don't have to compete with the people in Peking, Honestly, or wherever. I'm not on the, I'm not on the global free trade thing if I'm a, a plumber, you know, uh, electrician, whatever. They have, they, yeah. Not yet. 
Not yet. Yeah, they may get robots to do that too. They very much I could be, and we're starting to talk about surgery being performed by surgeons in different countries. You know, using manipulating robotic tools. So, yep, we're getting there, and it is uh, it is crazy to even contemplate. And this is called the singularity. People should look into this. And Ray Kurzweil and all these people who are talking about it as if it's some wonderful thing, and we should all just you know upload our consciousness to the mainframe and live forever. And I'm I'm very 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 wary of that agenda, let's put it that way. The whole thing is crazy, and it's hard to know. I mean, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to accurately, one guy says we got to do one thing, one guy says, no, the solution is this, what do you vote for? I don't have enough intelligence and knowledge to decide which one is pointing us in the correct direction. And it might be somebody else who sounds like a complete lunatic. He may be the one we have to follow. But traditional knowledge will not necessarily be helpful under these circumstances. Uh... Get ready. Get ready, folks. We live in interesting times. Protect yourself as best you can. interesting way to end the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess so. Uh, James, thank you for being on the program again. As always, look forward to talking to you again next week. I hope you folks will tune in again when James is back on the program. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Frank the producer, and James Corbett. Bye-bye. <laughs> I work all day and pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. Does the cost and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. 
sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Can your family survive a pandemic? That is the quickest satellite system. What makes deep sea spectrum.us are under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVR. 7% of the radiation. Cutting the price of $7. Legal immigration. The leaders of stock. Big bait. Fearless men. Groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com. Or call 540 that's 541-225-4659. 541-225-4659. 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings We're here, it's uh, Friday and, uh, of course, Friday, as I mentioned to you before, comes from the German. It used to be known as Frigg Day. I'm not uh, fooling around. F-R-I-G-G is the goddess of fertility. And that is where, uh, oh, today's Thursday. Gosh, that's right. Tomorrow, I keep thinking about going to the range and shooting uh, with my daughter not shooting at her now but my son and daughter are going to go to range and there's several uh, weapons that uh, and let me speak about that just a moment I have two members of my family who uh, carry a Colt 45 caliber automatic pistol commander officer's model now the Colt comes in three sizes. Uh, the smallest is the officer's model. And then there's a commander, like I carried in Vietnam. It was lighter weight. It was smaller. And uh, how often do you use a pistol? Well, in my case, uh, all the time, because the Cambodian I had, toting my Swedish case, a machine gun, uh, since I had my hands filled usually with a map and a compass, He'd always run off and hide behind a tree when we came under fire. So I was left with my uh, Colt commander, and it never failed me. 
But then the 911 uh, full-size Cirrus uh, automatics have always been very reliable. Uh, the Commander's been a reliable uh, weapon. It comes in uh, either steel or in uh, uh, part aluminum. Well, I actually chose the part aluminum uh, 45 Commander in Vietnam because uh, every ounce makes a difference uh, when you are loaded up. And uh, there is, <laughs> you don't ever see the light at the end of the tunnel. You are out there uh, for weeks and weeks up and down these jungle mountains, going where you're not supposed to be, uh, in areas where no friendly forces have ever tread. And uh, it's nice to have a guerrilla force out there to stir them up because they're not used to that. Gosh, in one month, 30 uh, consistent day after day after day after day, uh, more than 100 miles from the nearest uh, uh, friendly unit and in an area that had not been penetrated before, either by Arvin, the Army of the Republic of Vietnam, or Americans. Uh, we were there with my Army of Cambodians. We raided 17 battalion and regimental-sized base camps. And uh, now this was just in the raids. We did a lot of mining and booby trapping of major trails that we ran across. Uh, we did a lot of sniping and uh, ambushing. Uh, but in those raids, every time the enemy runs away, even though he has hundreds, I had a hundred-person uh, Cambodian guerrilla force and 13 special forces, but they always run away. And uh, then they realize that, what are we running from? And they uh, turn around and usually look around and counterattack you. Uh, anyway, I, I learned a lot about uh, psychology and combat and how, and because the enemy had never been in these areas, uh, it totally caught them by surprise. So uh, I had a lot of experience with these uh, 45 uh, pistols, and all my experiences were good. Now, two members of my family uh, own the officer's model, and in both cases, uh, they're female, and in both cases, uh, I've noticed the officer's model has jammed on it. And when it jams, I've noticed that uh, it is almost impossible for a, uh, a female, unless there's some kind of an Olympic, uh, you know, on steroids uh, weightlifter, to uh, clear the jam. Boy, it really gets stuck. Uh, and even when I've uh, been asked to clear the jam, uh, there's cases where I've had to use large metal tools uh, to force uh, the receiver back and uh, get rid of the, the jammed shell. It is my conclusion that the 45 general officer pistol, the officer's model, is not a good weapon for a female to carry. The reason is because it is recoil-operated. Now, when you pull the trigger, it means that when the 45 uh, auto goes off, 
the gun has a kick to it. Now, if the uh, if the butt of the gun is solid in your grip and you don't break your wrist, then uh, we've got Newton's laws for each action. There's an equal opposite reaction. Then the action will actually carry the, the slide all the way back, eject, because it doesn't eject until the, the full uh, measure of carry. Eject the old cartridge and pick up a new round out of the magazine and put it in battery. It goes up a little ramp and into the chamber and then into battery where it'll fire again. But if there is uh, any movement, if you aren't very stable in your stance, and if your grip is not uh, very stable, then what happens is that the receiver, the slide, will not go all the way back. And depending on how far back it goes, you can either have a double feed where it won't quite eject uh, the spent round, and yet it will pick up around off of the out of the magazine and start to uh, put it into battery, but then it slams against the stovepipe ground, and oh, it can be a mess. Or it will eject and won't quite pick up. Uh, the round in the magazine. So now it goes forward, and there isn't a round that's going to misfire, which all means this, that if you are using the officer's commander model for self-defense, then uh, it is unreliable, let me say that, for females. Now, I've fired uh, one of these guns, and it works uh, fine because uh, my wrist and my hand uh, are larger than normal. My wrist is locked. Uh, my stance is strong. And so the pistol has an excellent, steady uh, foundation to recoil fully on. Now, I've found that RBCD ammo also seems to work uh when regular hardball uh, does not. And so uh, what I would say to you is females should, uh, I believe, this is the gospel according to Bo, but I know a lot about uh, these firearms, and that is that it is my opinion that a female should probably, if you want something that is totally reliable, use a wheel gun. Now, the wheel gun uh, is the revolver. And you may say, well, what size revolver? Well, you wouldn't want to use a 45 Colt because they're just too large. And a 44 Magnum uh, isn't uh, probably a good gun for a female because of the recoil. Now, if you're going to use, and a 44 Mag is usually too large for a female to carry, Conceal. Uh, but if you're going to use it, use the RBCD uh, in the in magazine. 
I mean, in your in your weapon because it has less kick than regular ammunition. I know you may say, well, uh, how come, Bull? Well, very quickly, uh, because the uh, projectile is of a special composite metal that Roscoe Stoker invented, and uh, it doesn't have the same recoil. But again, uh, and it for some reason seems to be more reliable than standard hardball, uh, which is a heavier slug. So I would recommend, now here is something that I couldn't do before, but all of a sudden now, uh, because of RBCD, I can use a 38 special. You can get them feather light. You can get them uh, with uh, hidden hammers. Uh, they carry very easily in a, a belly pouch or in your pocket or in your purse. Now, they're a five-round shooter, uh, but uh, with RBCD. Now, don't shoot anybody. Listen to me. This is uh, – now, that's all you got, and, of course, uh, that's what you use. But what I'm telling you is a 38 special uh, will make a lot of people that may be uh, big and ornery, the kind that would be a predator, uh, it just makes them mad. My friend, uh, R.D. Diener from Oklahoma City, had a considerable amount of money on him. His girlfriend had betrayed him. And a man uh, and a partner knew how to bypass his security system. They were waiting for him. The only clue he had was that normally the front light is on. And so uh, he drew his 38 special, and as he opened the front door, the man hit him with a baseball bat. Now, it did RD damage. It raised a goose egg almost the size of a baseball. Well, actually, be realistic about it, of a golf ball. But it could have killed him. RD had his, 40, his, his 38 special ready and point-blank range. He shot the man in the face. He shot him in the chest. He shot him in the arm. He put all five bullets at point-blank range into this guy. The man said to his partner, he's got a gun. Let's get out of here. Now, the guy was uh, a farmer. He went back to his uh, rural household, and he patched himself up. When the police came to arrest him, he said he'd had a farming accident. Now, if you've shot somebody five times at point-blank range, and uh, they, I mean, that's, I admit, that's tough. <laughs> but what I'm also telling you is, is that it shows that that bullet at 38 Special, which I've always known, is no good as far as a first one-round knock-down, knock-em-out. Well, and I used to tell people, and people followed my advice. You know, for women, I said, get yourself an officer's model 45. 
because that bullet will knock people down. Well, they did, but now we find that, uh, and they don't shoot them often, but when they do shoot them, we're finding now that uh, these guns jam, and, of course, that is not good at all. So uh, with RBCD, you can use a 38 special and it will knock down and will stop one round because the bullet is frangible and it means it splinters like glass it doesn't go through uh, your target all the energy uh, is absorbed in the target and so uh, I'll give you when I come back to break I'll give you a chance to have uh, something to write with, I'll give you the toll-free number uh, and address for RBCD. If you're going to not be here for the second part of the program, just write down R as in Romeo, B as in my boy, C as in cat, (laughs) RBCD as in dog, RBCD ammo, and... uh, uh, you can pick it right up off of the internet. Cindy is uh, Roscoe Stoker's daughter. Roscoe's dead now. He invented the bullet, got a patent on it. It's the world's best self-defense. There is no better. And this is for all calibers. I have 50 caliber heavy machine gun ammunition in an RBCD. And I was showing it to a gentleman last night. I have a round that goes over 6,000 feet per second. If that thing hits you, you turn into jelly if there's anything left of you. Now, my 44 Magnum carries RBCD. It has less of a kick, and it has much more uh, as far as energy to knock down and will kill you in one round. That's what you want in all seriousness. All right, so uh, uh, I'm looking forward because we're going to go to the range tomorrow, and you should go to the range uh, and test fire your weapons frequently. And if you don't, uh, that is not good. (laughs) All right, so let me jump uh, into something that uh, is important. With all the business going on, the the nuclear uh, meltdown, in uh, Japan, and they say, of course, that some of the fallout has already, I mean, it's going across the United States, going to end up going across the island of Great Britain. I mean, it goes, this stuff, uh, when it's in a particulate matter, and when it goes into the uh, atmosphere, it's going to travel around. Now, of course, a lot of it's going to drop in the ocean, uh, and the guys in Great Britain, they've got uh, an advantage because it's got across the Pacific Ocean and a good chunk of the Atlantic. Uh, but for us on the West Coast, it comes on us uh, faster, and uh, there's been fallout that has been registered in California, Oregon, and Colorado. Small particulate. Now, this particulate is not good. This is that actual matter that is radioactive, they say that it is uh, very minute, 
But can I remind you that uh, during the Sedan series, Eisenhower was president and the federal government was uh, conducting uh, nuclear tests up north of Las Vegas. The government assured everybody was safe. Friends, thousands of people around in Oregon, for example, in Colorado, for example, in Utah, for example, and Nevada, a lot of people died because the government lies. And this radiation is cumulative, as I've said, and so uh, if particulate falls on you, then it is, it's like staying out in the sun. Well, here is what's happened. I'm going to read you uh, out of the, uh, the actual news because I don't want anything to be lost in, in my memory or translation. This is Knoxville, Tennessee. A subcontractor employee has been charged with lying about inspections at the Tennessee Valley Authority's Watts Bar Nuclear Plant. Now, this guy is a plant manager, and uh, he's supposed to be making these inspections, safety inspections. And he just lied about it. You get lazy, and uh, like an FAA uh, air controller at Ronald Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C., he just wanted to sleep at the switch. Two airplanes landed without any communication with the tower, and apparently they did all right. But this happens with lazy people. Now, this and people that don't have any kind of work ethic, which is not easy to teach anymore. Anyway, the United States Attorney in Knoxville said that Matthew David Correll, C-O-R-R-E-L-L, he's only 31, of uh, Hickson, Tennessee, had been charged on two-count indictment with making false statements. And uh, Correll lied about uh, measuring cables that were intended to supply energy to safety systems that were to be uh, built into the plant. I mean, the point, and there's going to be a trial for him come May 23rd. But you can see with the nuclear potential to harm people, you can see why. When the, Do you think they're paying uh, this guy uh, a, a pretty fancy salary, David Grell? I think so. Uh, but, you know, he just, uh, it's a lot easier just to fill out the reports and not do the work. Well, now, of course, they're going back uh to double-check the work he's supposed to have been doing beyond what they caught him uh, lying about. And the PDA, Tennessee Valley Authority, is the largest supplier of power in the United States. A TVA nuclear executive, a guy by the name of Bahanger, uh, said the falsified paperwork was found in the checks and balance of this procedure at the plant near Spring City between Knoxville and Chattanooga. Uh, the TV spokesman, Scott Brooks, said the case was not directly related to the abrupt departure 
of the former construction site manager at Watts Bar. A Nuclear Regulatory Commission letter in January cited TVA errors and omissions in the project fire protection report and excessive delays in providing information. And so uh, this guy who was uh, the manager, he just took off. Now, uh, pretty interesting, you can imagine why he probably took off, because he saw that uh, the mistakes being made and the omissions uh, were dangerous, and he apparently decided he wasn't going to be a part of it. Now, what is interesting, and I will cover when we come back from the break, is Sharia law. Now, Sharia is spelled S-H-A-R-I-A, and it is Muslim ecclesiastical law. Well, in Tampa, Florida, 13th Circuit Court, the judge is allowing Sharia law to be used in satisfying a current case. What are we coming to? Stay where you are, American Voice Radio. We'll be right back with you. We're lost, good men gone, and we're family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guide today. Freeze Dry Guide at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guide at L A N S E T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one of four. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. 
What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers with their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19, 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. on Freedom Call. I'm your host. I better should introduce myself. Uh, Bo Grace is my name. and uh, You're listening to American Voice Radio. And as we went to break, I left you uh, wondering what in the heck is going on in Tampa, Florida. A Tampa court uh, and the guy, the judge, it's a 13th Circuit Court Judge Richard A. Nielsen, N-I-E-L-S-O-N, has ruled that in a civil suit between the Islamic Education Center of Tampa and four of its trustees that it be settled under ecclesiastical Islamic law. Now, friends, <laughs> I don't. I remember the Montana Freeman. That, that's just, this is where I'm going with this thing. Now, the Montana Freeman had the longest siege in history <laughs> in in American uh, FBI and law enforcement history. And uh, when it looked like, and I knew that the FBI was gearing up to use the HRT, the hostage response team to go in by force and would kill these people. And there were children in there. Uh, I knew the guy's name was Hulk. I knew the agent in charge of Montana. Now, when these big federal sieges occur, the agents in charge, they aren't in charge. Uh, this thing goes uh, to the attorney general or it'll go to the director, FBI at least, and then they, when they send the, the hostage response team uh, out of Quantico, uh, the agent in charge just sort of stands back. Now, he's still responsible 
uh, to the FBI and uh, the Justice Department for uh, that state, like Mike Halk was responsible for Montana. So I call Mike, and uh, but he doesn't he doesn't control the seas. That's being controlled by Washington District of Criminals. So I call Mike and I said, "Listen, Mike, uh, I know that the HRT uh, is poised to go in uh, with the attack helicopters and with uh, armored vehicles, and uh, there were uh, a number of children and there were a number of women in there." This was the Montana Freeman, the guys that uh, had actually sent a million dollars in a uh, what looked like uh, a very official looking, looked like a cashier's check. And and, uh, they sent it to the Office of the Debt of the United States. And they had taken the money (laughs) out of the federal court accounts. Now, this is a long story, and I won't get into it, but the bottom line is they actually emptied federal court accounts in Billings, Montana, and they sent this uh, check to Washington, D.C., to the the Office of the Debt of the United States, a million dollars. Well, everybody got mad at them. But when you look at it, it really was just taking uh, Article Three, the court's money, and sending it uh, to uh, the Article Two uh, executive branch, <laughs> sending it to uh, the, the the debt office. And so it's still all federal government funds. So to me, they really didn't do anything that bad. All the court had had to do was find out where'd our money go and then get a hold of the Office of Debt in the United States and say, hey, did you get a million dollars? And uh, they just got it back. Well, it uh, that was just one of the things that they did. God be praised. They also ordered like a hundred Barrett 50 caliber sniper rifles. Now, the good news there is that is such a large order, and the Barrett uh, properly scoped is going to run about 10000 bucks, and they ordered uh, like 50,000 rounds of armor-piercing incendiary uh, heavy machine gun ammunition that fits the Barrett. Well, with such an enormous order, uh, and they sent this... Uh, document that looked like a cashier's check uh, to this uh, dealer who would have gone to Ronnie Barrett because ain't nobody got a hundred guns except Ronnie Barrett uh, up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So he checked and found out, of course, that the check wouldn't cash, so he didn't send the Barretts. And that's a good thing because... (laughs) With uh, Barrett's out there, it would have meant that the FBI and the siege line would have had to move back about another mile, uh, just to, well, it'd probably be two miles to, to be able to get out of sight and uh, out of accurate range of anybody that might be behind one of those Barrett's. And so I told Mike I was coming up there and going to give him a hand. He said, well, Bo, I'm not running this thing. 
you know, Washington, D.C. is. And uh, I said, I know that, Mike, but, you know, it's, there's trouble coming. And I'm not going to see a lot of people get hurt when I think maybe uh, that I can uh, stop it. And he said, well, both these Montana freemen have sworn uh, to us that they are going to kill you on sight. And I said, well, good. Then you'll have a real crime that they will have committed other than these, uh, you know, kind of nickel-dime paper charts. So I, bottom line, a long story, and I'll be gracious to you and cut you short. I, I, when I got up there, and by the way, when I got in, uh, the Montana Freeman, except one guy, uh, welcomed me. And the one guy that came down, uh, a man named Clark, who actually uh, owned the land that the Montana Freeman had made this siege on, they had claimed that land as uh, being sovereign territory and this kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, Clark, a Montana rancher, he, came, he was a Vietnam vet. He came down, he had a pre-OW bracelet on, and uh, he was pumping my hand and big smile, and I said, well, thank you for uh, having your POW bracelet. He said, well, Bo, I'm a Vietnam vet, for God's sakes. And so I said, well, gee, somebody should have told me. And uh, so we went up, and the scriptorian, uh, so to speak, the legal guy that kept, because, you know, they kind of saw themselves as being above uh, the earthly uh, United States and uh, they were using uh, Yahweh's law, and they were also using a law that went back to like 1806. And they had a law book <laughs> that went back. I mean, it was an original a law book, 1806. And uh, there was a Marine who had actually been a guard uh, at Camp David, where the president would go and take his vacations to get out of Washington, D.C. And uh, he had been hit in the head with a piece of steel, an accident, and it had made him crazy. So he had got out of the Marine Corps, and, uh, gee, man, he was the guy taking care of all the judicial matters. He was sort of the judge for the Montana Freeman. Well, uh, he got into an argument with me, and he had his 1806 law book. And, you know, this is before old Hickory president, for crying out loud. So I told him, I said, let me tell you something. Women have the vote. Do you realize that our law, our Constitution, is actually a living document? And, uh, you know, we uh, have a Bill of Rights but we also have all these amendments. And you have to apply the law as it is today, not what the law was. You know, back, uh, right, I mean, we had a, uh, we had a, uh, a Constitution, uh, and we had the Bill of Rights, but uh, my gosh, just a few years later, it was 1906, and uh, he was, I mean, we didn't even have uh, you know, the amendments that had come up because of the War of Northern Aggression. 
Hell, we didn't have the 12th Amendment, the 13th or 14th. Uh, so anyway, it, uh, he didn't want to see it that way. And uh, as I look at Florida, I see the Montana Freeman uh, where these uh, Floridians in Tampa, now this uh, is the Islamic Education Center of Tampa. And I don't know if they're trustees or, uh, you know, Christians or what, but uh, they have applied, and the judge, Judge Richard A. Nielsen, has ruled that this civil suit will be under the ecclesiastical Islamic law. This actually, uh, the decision was made on March the 19th, 2011, this year, and uh, it's uh, totally incredible uh, to me because we should be under the Constitution of the United States and under the laws of the great state of Florida, which one of the original 13 colonies. And yet, uh, For some reason, and this guy doesn't even sound uh, Muslim, does he? Richard A. Nielsen. But uh, by golly, he ruled, and it's a very dangerous precedent, I think, to allow uh, the, the court to proceed with this religious litigation I mean, uh, what if we went in and demanded that it be under the Old Testament or something? And so uh, this is why I think we need to be alert. <laughs> I mean, somebody, and what do you do about this? Well, the courts are Article 3. In this case, I think you get a hold of the governor of Florida. I think you get a hold of the Florida legislation. I think that you get a hold of your two U.S. senators from Florida and your representative from Tampa, and you say, this judge, the 13th Circuit judge, has said that uh, it's all right to use uh, Muslim uh, ecclesiastical religious law in this, in this courtroom. So, because uh, you don't want to be caught in a situation... Next thing you know, it'll be, let's say, now this is not a criminal case, this is a civil case, but let's say it's an accident that occurs, and you are sued by the mosque, the local mosque in your town. Hey, they just did a survey, 68% of the people surveyed said they're okay with a mosque in, in their hometown, doesn't bother them at all. All right, now let's say something happens. And uh, either you have reason, you're damaged, or uh, the boss takes over your property or whatever, and you go into court and the the Muslims say, uh, Your Honor, we want to do this under our ecclesiastical uh, Holy Quran law called Sharia. And we have, see, because almost everything at the first level is case law. What did the other courts rule? And so now, (laughs) 
at this point, they can say, well, look at the 13th Circuit Court in Tampa, Florida. Judge Nielsen ruled that Sharia law would be the basis for determining uh, the civil outcome of this suit. So uh, we, if the camel, in this case almost literally, gets his nose uh, you know, in the tent, you know the story. There are a lot of great old Arab uh, sayings. One of my favorites is that the caravan does not stop for the barking dog. Uh, which means that, you know, people can complain and bitch and moan and whine all they want to. If you have a purpose which is righteous and you feel good in your heart, you keep on moving. Don't worry about what the dogs are doing, the barking. The caravan uh, isn't slowed by the barking dog. Let me run through, because so this uh, Sharia thing, you can find more. You just go on uh, the Internet. And uh, just uh, type in uh, Tampa Court Allows S-H-A-R-I-A, Sharia Law, and it ought to uh, come right up for you. Now, here's something that uh, goes to show what I've been telling you and how it works. They have had uh, a partial meltdown, of course, in Tokyo. And I've told you, what's the problem? The problem is is that uh, these uh, rods, which are enriched, no matter whether they're spent and in storage or what, uh, they, uh, when they're not cooled, and they've run out of coolant long ago, they melt down. Now, they, they just keep melting. <laughs> And what it does, it can interfere with the water uh, tables. You know, you have aquifers. We have an aquifer out here in the desert. Our water table is actually about 50 feet where I'm at. Uh, it's, it's a little bit salty at 50 feet. you got to go down to 100 feet. But, you know, in uh, like Idaho, I know people that drill 800 feet to get water. Point is that uh, Tokyo found that the uh, tap water was irradiated. This is bad news. So they've used up just about all of the bottled water now. And so naturally, now the government comes out a day later today and says, uh, wow, the tap water uh, is miraculously uh, not uh, contaminated anymore. Well, I think that's baloney, and we do need to keep an eye, and we don't want to uh, just uh, automatically believe everything that the government says. Now, let me do something I promised you at the beginning of the program so I don't forget it. I was telling you of the problems of the 45 cold officers model in being unreliable for females as a weapon of self-defense for home, in the vehicle, uh, on your person. And I told you that uh, if you don't have any way of getting, if you're a female, of getting a revolver, and I would recommend that you get a 38 Special. They are airlight. They are so small as a five-shot revolver. 
Now, the 38 special is no good. It is a bad round, except in RBCD, all right? And RBCD 38 special will knock down on the first round and eliminate uh, the threat. And on the 45, I found that the weapon is more reliable using RBCD. Now, there's only one place that you can, well, you can, because they have distributors and all that. But I want you to go right to Cindy uh, Stoker, uh, who will give you distributor prices if you tell her that I have talked to you and counseled you on uh, getting RBCD ammo as your self-defense uh, munition. Now, uh, the number for Cindy is 877. That's toll free. 877. 688-5985. 877-688-5985. And uh, just tell Cindy what kind of a weapon you have as your self-defense weapon. Now, this is not ammunition that you go out and plink with. What you do is you, when we'll go on the range tomorrow, we'll use hardball. Uh, and if you have an automatic, you, uh, you don't want to use uh, rounds that uh, are are designed to flatten out mushrooms that have holes in the nose, in other words, because it just increases the chance of uh, those rounds that aren't com aren't perfectly bullet-formed, hard ball, uh, that they will jam uh, going up the ramp and uh, it to be chambered. And so use RBCD, and I can guarantee and promise you, when you, you go out and you practice on the range like we'll do tomorrow, we may fire 50, 100 rounds. Now, when I load up my weapon, which will include a officer's model 45, I want to see how it's shooting. I'm going to uh, shoot my daughter's officer's model, see why it's jamming, and uh, probably won't jam with me. I'll fire my, uh, I've got a Sig Sauer, which is a pretty good 9-millimeter and a 44 Magnum uh, Smith & Wesson, which has been my concealed weapon for ever since I've been in Nevada, almost 30 years. And uh, when I uh, reload everything, it'll all be with RBCD. That's what I carry. All right. Now, let me give you some. You got the number? And by the way, if you want to go on the Internet and uh, and get all the specs, it's dot R B C D Romo Romeo Bravo Charlie Delta dot net telephone number for Cindy Cindy Stoker she runs a company eight seven seven six eight eight five nine eight five she'll give you uh, distributor prices if you tell her that I've counseled you all right now here is a very interesting. A statistic that I may have uh, just time enough to present. Today it was announced with some surprise that the Hispanic, now there's a difference between Latinos and Hispanics. 
but let's count the Hispanics as uh, brown people from Mexico, Central America, and South America. Anyway, these Hispanics, mainly Mexicans, have reached 50 million and more as of the 2010 census. And everybody is shocked because uh, Hispanics uh, here back in 2000 and before, uh, there weren't nearly that many. And now all of a sudden, they have over 50 million. Now, this was last year. I want to read you a, a, a government on population, Hispanic Americans census facts. This comes from the census. Only this was 2009. The estimated Hispanic population of the United States as of July 1, 2009, uh, is 48,000,004. So 48,400,000 Hispanics. And it says uh, making people of Hispanic origin the nation's largest ethnic or race minority. Hispanics constituted 16% of the nation's total population. Well, now it's more. In addition, there are approximately 4 million residents in Puerto Rico and the Caribbean, which they they don't count as Hispanics. All right, now it says every two people added to the Americans' population between uh, July 1, 2008 and July 1, 2009 was Hispanic. All right, now here is a, a more recent, and now it's over 50 million. Washington, D.C., in a surprising show of growth, Hispanics accounted for more than half of the U.S. population increase over the last decade, exceeding estimates in almost every state. Pulled by migration to the Sun Belt, America's population center edged westward on a historic path to leave the Midwest. The Census Bureau today released its first set of national-level findings from the 2010 count on race and migration. Now, notice it didn't say religion, and I want to hit that detail here in just a second detailing a decade in which uh, rapid minority growth uh, of Hispanics over aging whites. See, we're uh, we're in a negative uh, birth category here. Geographers estimate that the nation's population center will move southwest about 30 miles and be placed in or near the village of Plato in Texas County, Missouri. There's excitement. Uh, and let me get a couple of these uh, things. It says the uh, Hispanic count, uh, uh, demographers widely believe 50 million threshold uh, has been crossed and is now close to 50.5 million. And uh, in uh, about 40 years, remember I've told you that uh, whites will not be the majority after between 40 and 50 years. As a matter of fact, it won't be Hispanics either. But uh, with this uh, population information, 
it shows that Hispanics have far outstripped uh, American blacks and Asians. And so uh, it is interesting to see uh, how quickly these things uh, can uh, change. And then we see this Sharia law. (laughs) We should pay attention. All right, guys, uh, you have a good day. I'll be back with you. Uh, tomorrow, God will. Stay with American Voice. Just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret, silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today. But only three when the Green Beret trained to live off nature's land. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? 
don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. Live, another Messiah's Branch National Satellite Radio Program. We are broadcasting from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is March 26, 2015. Watch live. We are warning the world as it happens. If you need help with anything, anything after this program, call me. If you need a prayer, you can call me for that also. If you need, if you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-4682. And an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find the updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, and our mailing address at our blog, which is simply prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Our program archives can also be found at prophecyhour.com. If you scroll down on the right, it'll say uh, radio archives. Or uh, once you click that, you can you will be find yourself at branch.automatic.com. These are both very smart, friendly sites, and in fact, at branch.automatic.com, they have an Apple app and an Android app so that you can listen on your smartphone. And I hear that 
at least 50% of the people that listen to radio nowadays do so on their smartphone. But I do challenge you to share these programs with at least two or three others of your friends so that we can consistently extend, extend our listening audience. Okay, now prayer, and we'll bring on tonight's guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not my will, nor my guests. But please, Father, give everybody out there ears and wish to hear the truth. Amen and amen. Well, tonight's guest, Larry Pratt, is the Executive Director of Gun Owners of America, and he has been for the last 30 years or so. GOA is a national membership organization of 300,000 Americans dedicated to promoting their Second Amendment freedom to keep and bear arms. We will talk to Larry about many things tonight. We will see uh, about Ferguson, the ammo ban, and about what just recently popped up, that some gun dealers have been forced out of business by an operation called Choke Point. Who better to know about this than Larry? So let's bring Larry on. Are you with me, Larry? Good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm glad I'm glad to have you back on. You haven't been on in a couple of years, but you, be, prior to that, you were on uh, a couple of times a year. Uh, it's great to have you back. And indeed, it is. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak uh, with you and to your audience. Uh, I think it's uh, it's really great when uh, a pastor has uh, obvious interest in the issues of the day, because certainly uh, that's what I think. Uh, we should be doing as Christians. Well, amen. My problem, I just wish our brothers and sisters, uh, Christian brothers and sisters, would speak up more because I believe that that's part of the reason that we've gotten to where we have in this country is because we haven't been as outspoken as that we should be. Um, I think uh, Obama, the Obama administration has kept you pretty busy, haven't they? (laughs) Well, yes. Uh, The president... uh, frankly, has one thing about him that I admire, and I wish I could see more of it on people on the other side of the political aisle, uh, philosophical aisle, and that is he's tenacious. Uh, He just doesn't take no for an answer. He keeps coming. Uh, He's just indefatigable, and very few Republicans uh, have that same spunk. Uh, President's gun ban suit was defeated in the Senate. Well, that hasn't stopped him. Now he's uh, trying to ban the ammunition that's used in one of the more popular rifles in the country uh, by administrative order. Uh, And he has famously said that if the Congress isn't going to go along with him, uh, then he has a pen and he has a cell phone. And that's the way he'll get things done. And that's the way he has been trying to get things done. Quite yeah. quite amazing, really, that uh, he thinks he can, because he was elected president, that also elected him as the legislature. Yes. Um, it's really pretty amazing. You know, I'm 59 years old, and I never thought I would see a president, you know, will basically rule as he's ruling. I, I guess you would call it, what, a dictator or uh, emperor, or what would you call that? I think dictator is a good word. Um, he's certainly lawless. Uh, he's not at all interested in uh, does what I'm doing fit within the Constitution, let alone the laws of the land. Uh, he wants to accomplish his socialist 
agenda, and he doesn't care that it's unconstitutional, that the more the American people realize what he's doing, the more they dislike what he's doing and want him to stop. And frankly, the thing that upsets me even more than Obama is the fecklessness of the Republican opposition, an opposition that was elected, given a huge majority with which to control the Congress, they have done absolutely as little as possible. They're afraid of their own shadow. They will not fight. And that's what I find so stunning. Here you have successful politicians who know how to get elected, and they've been elected, and the Republicans were elected with uh, somewhat historic numbers, and you hear nothing from the leadership of the Republicans but, oh, my, that confrontation we had with the president uh, really hurt us. That, uh, when that government shutdown occurred, which wasn't a shutdown, by the way, it was a slowdown. It was engineered by the president who chose to shutter various agencies and offices. Uh, but nevertheless, there can, these leaders particularly are convinced that that hurt the Republican brand. They believe this still after the Senate changed hands with nine net new Republican uh, senators and 12 more members of the House of Representatives, uh, actually going well beyond what the numbers might have uh, suggested were possible because of redistricting. Uh, a lot of districts have just become impossible to change from a Democrat to a Republican or vice versa. Right. Nevertheless, uh, with all of this nearly unprecedented success, oh, well, we can't have a fight with the president because that would really mess up our name, our brand, and, and can't stand that. So they're flat out wrong. And even if that they weren't, they were elected to fight. And they right. basically turned around to the American people and said, get lost. Yeah, exactly. Um, we Obama, and there, there is really you really hit the na the proverbial nail on the head because um, to me, Obama can only get away with what we allow him to get away with. The Republicans have could do could have did and could do a lot more than what they're doing. I really don't get it. It's fear. It's fear. It's fear. It's so simple conceptually what they could do to stop this man. They talk about, well, if we pass this law or that law, then he'll just veto it. Well, that's true he would, although I don't have any problem with forcing Democrats to vote on something. But let's have them vote on something that actually would have effect. Let's, you don't need the president's signature for a spending measure amendment. And if the Say they vote to none of these funds may be used to ban uh, this or any other kind of ammunition. Okay? Add that as an amendment to a measure that the president uh, considers must pass. That's how they got rid of the, the, the federal ban on guns in national parks. They put it on a dreadful credit card bill that the president wanted, and even though he didn't like that amendment at all, he signed the bill, thus putting that amendment also into law. 
that same strategy could be used, uh, except that they're afraid that he will shut down, quote unquote, the government. And well, we know we can't we can't have that. And so they have paralyzed themselves. They're prisoners in their own mind. They re- uh, it's kind of like a battered wife. Uh, they know yeah. where the door is, and they could walk right out. Uh, but so often they don't, uh, because in their own mind, uh, they're prisoner, uh, even though, in fact, uh, they're not prisoner. They could walk out if they wanted to. These Republicans don't want to. They simply don't want to fight. And the only solution I can see is what we might dub the David Bratt solution. Uh, David Bratt took out Eric Cantor for generally speaking, these very kinds of issues. The the Republican leadership uh, was perceived doing harm rather than good, and his Republican suburban Richmond district uh, went against him. And David Bratt, a college professor, uh, beat him rather handily. We hundred David Bratt's bloom in districts across the country not all are going to win, but I think that would be the only way to signal to the Republican establishment, we understand what you're doing and we're giving you a choice. Do what we sent you to do or we're just going to get rid of you. Yeah, absolutely. They seem to always just be worried about the next election, you know, what makes them good. Let's good give them a reason to be worried about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I'm all for it. Let's start the campaign tonight. Um, you know, absolutely. The the thing that really bothers me is, well, you know, these guys doing nothing. They don't understand that the mandate they were given, if they don't do that, won't that get them kicked out of office in itself? Well, uh, it's it, it's just an amazing thing that they they don't really believe their rhetoric, and it's not just the leadership, although I fault them a great deal. But it's the, the caucus in general, uh, with some exceptions, uh, your uh, Congressman Holtzkamp out there in Kansas is one of them. But as a rule, the, the Republican caucus itself tolerates the leadership doing this. So until the caucus is willing to stand up and say, Mr. Boehner, you either change or we change you. Uh, we're not going to follow your agenda any longer because your agenda uh, is the wimpiest, sorry excuse we've ever seen for a faithful application of the Constitution and following the will of the of the people who are our boss, Mr. Boehner. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So much has went by. I, I thought maybe that there was going to be some hope when I seen World Net Daily had started that campaign, you know, that they had, a, uh, I guess, a mail-in, a, a priority letter campaign, and I thought maybe that would have some effect, that maybe other uh, Republicans would take him out of leadership, but it did nothing, you know, absolutely. Um, so going on from that, you know, how there is the, the, the other harbinger, and then how far is Obama going to be allowed to get away with in this next, what's he got, 18 months or something? I don't know. Um, it's Right now it looks as if he can get away with about anything he wants. And those that have been willing to take him on uh, in the Senate significantly, uh, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, 
uh, of Texas, uh, a lot of his Republican colleagues uh, were derisive. They called him a wacko bird. Um, they, um, so, so they actually will go after someone who is trying to faithfully carry out the will of the people. That's how dug in these folks are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it wouldn't you know, really, people are saying, well, we're going to be saved with the 2016 election. We'll have a Republican for president. I don't, if they act in this manner, I don't see where it really matters much. Well, it's, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference unless and until we can start beating some of these folks. And that's a song I'm going to be singing. It may only have one note. But I'll tell you what, uh, uh, that note needs to be sung uh, loud and clear. Uh, and we're looking for people that are willing to oppose. Uh, it, it just, uh, they need the support of people from around the country because a congressman from Ohio is not somebody you all in Kansas can vote for, but it may be that uh, supporting the candidate against that Republican do-nothing incumbent is the way to get some relief from the government oppression that's sucking your financial blood in Kansas. Right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. We need to get more involved. And, and that's what I kind of said at the first of the program. You know, I was, I've been saying it for quite a while now on radio that I believe that a big reason that the country is in the mess they're in, because I still believe that it's a Christian country. I believe that there's more of us than there are of them, so to speak. But for the most part, it's silent. To me, that's not a way America started. I mean, you know, some of our greatest uh, founding fathers, leader ministers, they believed in the gospel, and they spoke, they fought. Why is, our, is everybody being so silent? Because we outnumber them. That's what, what I'm talking about. So they need to speak up. Uh, what do you think, Larry? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, it really comes down to that. We need to be speaking up, and then we need to be acting. We need to be putting uh, our checks in the mail uh, to candidates that are convincingly trying to make a difference. Uh, we need to, uh, when they're at all within our uh, driving distance, we need to be supporting them as much as we can with our volunteer help. Uh, typically, Republicans uh, and conservatives are not going to be able to get the uh, aid help that unions provide Democrats. So right. it really comes down to us being willing to cut into our lives, maybe uh, miss a ball game, uh, one of the kids has, which is not a good thing. I think it's a, a good thing for parents to be with their kids at events like that. But something has to be sacrificed, or otherwise uh, we're going to be playing ball right into the prison camps. And you said a key word there. You said sacrifice. You know, they they called the you know World War II the greatest generation. You know, they were willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good of the country and for the world. And that's what I'm just not seeing really um, out there among anybody, whether it's Christians or non-Christians, is, you know, being able to put that effort forward and sacrificing some of your entertainment time or other things. That's why it's called a sacrifice. But sacrifice is what counts and what makes it. Yeah, and that's not something that uh, our culture is very uh, supportive of. 
but um, I guess that's one of the things that Christians are called upon to to do is to lead the way and to uh, be willing to do things like that to get out of our comfort zone, try to make a difference, humanly speaking. Uh, this is one of the ways of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the word, you know, not uh, to get real scripture on you, but in the word it tells us that there's no greater thing than if we lay our lives down for our brothers, you know, and for our brethren, you know, and that's what we should be doing, and that just seems to be lacking, whether it's in the simplest things they could do by by making uh, their voice known or making phone calls or doing what you're saying, you know, they need to volunteer and get involved. I just see, uh, you know, the country as a whole, our culture, like you said, is becoming uninvolved, uh, and it, it, it really kind of scares me. Yes, because it leaves the members uh, of power in the hands of people who aren't, don't have our best interests uh, at heart. Uh, they're uh, interested in short-term gain for themselves uh, or their supporters. Um, politics becomes a kind of uh, business uh, rather than public service, and that's not a good thing. Politics has got such a bad rap because most of the good folks have done not enough to be involved in politics, so a disproportionate number of bad folks get involved in it, and that's where the bad name for it comes from. But if we say that politics is dirty, we've just accused ourselves of not being involved ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It gets less dirty the more of us that get involved in it. Right, absolutely. The more of us, and you hear that, folks, the more of us that get involved, the more the darkness is pushed back. That's just like putting, um, you know, the Bible in your mind. The more good stuff you put in there, the more bad stuff it pushes out. And it's the same way with what Larry and I are talking about. The more of us that get involved with it, then we can stop the dirty politics by being involved in taking control, by volunteer, and so on and so forth. And so... Uh, amen. I'm sure I'm glad we've got into this direction of conversation tonight, Larry. I appreciate well, it. You know, to further the direction of what we're discussing, I would suggest that people look at, uh, and it's going to be different in every state, how you get involved in the political party in your area. And for most of us, it's going to be the Republican Party. It may uh, be controlled by a bunch of rhinos. Uh, well, all the more reason to get involved yourself so that uh, you can eventually see them uh, moved out to pasture and folks that really want to have constitutional government get in. But to be part of the Republican Party often means that, say there's a, a, a candidate, an office holder, I should say, dies in office. Well, typically it's going to be some entity of the party that chooses the nominee. And it often will not even be uh, for that emergency situation. It won't be a primary. It'll be some committee within the party. And if we're not there and if we're not part of that process, which sometimes I'll admit can just be boring, um, and that's why I have an iPad so I can do other things uh, rather than just completely unredeem the time. Uh, But, you know, we, we need to be there when somebody needs to be pulling those levers of power. Um, right. 
I'm just uh, thinking last night I had uh, I had a Bible study at the same time there was a, a meeting of the county Republican committee. Well, I just had to go late to the Bible study. I got there, but I had to go and make sure I maintained my membership in the county committee, right. find out if there were going to be any votes that I needed to be present for, and then once I'd signed in and maintained my place on the committee, then I was free to go, uh, and it was inconvenient, and I was late to the Bible study, but uh, I was, you know, I had to do that, and absolutely. that's just uh, the way Let it me, has to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Let me break in here, because we're going to go to break in about 30 seconds. Um, your website is gunowners.org, that correct? That's us, and that's where you can sign up for our free alerts. That's how you can stay uh, posted. Uh, on what's happening in Washington, uh, we'll embed an email in those alerts so that you can just very easily send it off to your member of Congress telling them this is what you would like them to do or not to do. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, and that's Gun Owners of America, and wherever this program appears in archives, or at least on our website, there will be a link to it, and we'll be back in three minutes with more with letters. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, 
Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can be either. Messiah's Branch at the Mission Church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children, once at home, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 668-51. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 
um, alleged. Well, that's pretty wondrous. Well, you know, it's Christianity. That's the gospel that's actually being alleged. People know that we're different. We're not just like the people down the street that uh, when they walk out of church, they're, they're, the same. they're just like everybody else. We are set apart and different. And we do what counts. We lay down our lives for our brother. And we was talking about sacrifice. So my thought is I know not everybody can get out there and do the things that we do, but you should always support whether it's – and I believe in starting someplace close to you, but support the people that are doing the work. Whether And that's what Larry was talking about. You need, If you can't do it yourself, send out the check. Give them the means and the way to do it. So we do – I do appreciate all that you do for us, and, and by no means. In fact, that night was a church service, and I made sure I repented that I wasn't taking any kind of pride in being called a uh, quote-unquote legend. To me, all uh, credit goes to the father and his son, and credit goes to you folks for supporting us in what we do. So we're, folks, the father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. You can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all this information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Or simply call me at 620-878-4682. And now we're back talking with Larry Pratt, the Executive Director of Gun Owners of America. Are you still with me, Larry? I am with you, sir. Well, I'm, I'm so glad to have you. I'm really enjoying our conversation today. Um, maybe it's time now... I, Operation Choke Point, um, I just heard a little bit about it, and I've read a little bit on your site about it. Uh, it's one of those things that just slipped by me. Is this new? Well, it turns out it had been in operation for some time, and we finally uh, got wind of what they were doing. And what the that have to name all right is to try to choke out businesses that Obama administration doesn't like, and that especially includes gun stores. Make it through the regulatory agencies and federal that the federal government has. Make it so that credit is choked off uh, from gun stores. Many businesses, uh, certainly gun stores, are likely to need loans from time to time, uh, particularly as the models are introduced and they want to stock up on inventory uh, go to the bank and uh, banks for a while because of pressure from the federal government were telling them uh, we don't loan to businesses like you. Now we had a measure go through uh, Congress and that pretty much stopped what they were doing but we still heard of a banker not too long ago on his own, but he told a, a gun store up in Wisconsin, uh, don't make loans to businesses. Like, uh, yeah, right. Um, that's that's almost creepy. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it's very much so. They, they, the government has lumped gun stores as dangerous businesses in the same category as pornographers and payday loan stores and things like that. Just a potpourri of politically incorrect bump uh, of uh, a gun store, which is dealing with a constitutionally protected item. Uh, well, that's the, the Obama administration for us, what they do. And uh, I think we've pretty much choked off Operation Choke Point. But, it, it, again, it's, it's not something that uh, 
taken care of until we hear that we have a, an amendment that says none of these funds. Uh, that's the only sure way to deal with this administration. Right, absolutely. Um, and it goes back to what we were talking about. And unless we have the right people there that are willing to speak up and stop it, I mean, you know, we're just spinning our wheels. We'll just invent something new. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about the AR-15 ammo. Tell the folks about that. A lot of people have asked me about what exactly went on and how did it get stopped. Um, and I knew you'd be the man to ask. Well, it was uh, an extraordinary episode. And, and I'm not, well, I think what it probably does, is, among other things, show us how little they know about firearms and ammunition. They were hoping that they could get the country to believe that this MA-22 ammo, which is just a particular kind of AR-15 rifle ammunition, rifle ammunition for probably the most popular rifle in the country, that somehow this particular ammo, because it was made in a somewhat different way, uh, was armor-piercing and had to be banned. Well, it turns out all rifle ammunition can pierce standard body armor. So there wasn't anything, though there were different components and bullets, uh, didn't make it uh, uh, more dangerous than other uh, rounds. But they were, I guess they were hoping that somehow, the, you know, the diagram and showing the steel and they. Uh, and boy, that really made it so bad. Uh, take a deep breath. It didn't make it any any worse or any less worse. So we we finally batted that one down, and it turned out that while they were still waiting for the comment period to end before they supposedly decided whether or not to go ahead with this regulation, they have they had already had it printed in some manual. They weren't waiting for any comment period. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. The comment period was just a, a necessary irritation required by the law, but they weren't going to let no stinking bunch of comments change their happily, that came to light while yeah. the comment period was still in place, and so they... Uh, anyway, never mind. And temporarily, at least they've withdrawn. But with these guys, you know, you're going to have to remain on guard until they are, uh, you know, looking at us in their rearview mirror on their way out of town uh, right. next, uh, well, January of six of seventeen. So there, there's the, there's the thing. So it was just the people speaking up that got enough attention that they decided to get rid of it. Some 300,000 people commented uh, even before the <laughs> period had ended, and I guess it, it was just pretty intense. And they realized uh, uh, what people might have told them had they been asked, is, you know, if you poke a stick in that hornet's nest, it's really going to be bad. talking about in the first part of our program, getting involved and speaking up. 
Um, yep. And it, their voice can make all the world of difference instead of just, you know, sitting back thinking your voice won't count. I, I really get tired of hearing that. I, I hear that a lot with people asking, well, you know, in casual conversation, talking about voting, and say, well, you know, who did you vote for, whatever, and they go, well, I don't vote, you know, because my vote's useless. Well, first thing I say to that person, well, then that takes your voice. Then you really can't complain. If you don't right. vote, how can you complain? Exactly, let alone get involved. The uh, uh, It's just a, a, an amazing situation <laughs> where uh, this administration uh, thinks in such a, uh, an unaccountable fashion. Really, I, I find it very alarming because, it, of course, it's not just guns. It's, uh, with the Environmental Protection Agency, throughout the government, they're just doing things with abandon. And uh, right. Republicans have so far proven to be totally inept in dealing with with this guy, for a guy that's supposed to be such a doofus, uh, he has been running circles around this Republican co- uh, Congress, and so I don't find him to be stupid at all. The, he may be messing up from our point of view, but from the communist way of thinking that he has, he's his job done. He's doing a perfectly um, okay job. Yeah, absolutely. Actually. You know, we I had talked about uh, this man uh, with with people, you know, before he was ever elected, and, and we saw a lot of his agenda um, because of the people that he was around, and, and that's a big deal. You know, people it still ignore all the different people he grew up with and the people that, you know, tutored him, that that's where his ideology comes from. And by looking at that, we knew this guy was going to be a nightmare. And, you know, to me, he's being right on point with what he said he was going to do. He's going to fundamentally change the country. And, you know, he seems to be true to his upbringing. So, yeah, I, it's not a question of being stupid. If he was stupid, he wouldn't have all these things done. Then when you get somebody like Senator Cruz, who, who actually tried to cut off the money in the last Congress, his own party jumped all over him. It was John McCain that was calling him a wacko bird and, and refused to uh, join him in cutting off some of these funds. So uh, that's why I say we've got a lot of work to do in the primary. Senator McCain is up for election in 16. Uh, there's a state rep, I think her right, maybe a senator, but anyway, somebody that shown they can get elected seems to be rather... Uh, conservative person, uh, if they're willing to take on a sitting senator, they've got some guts, that's for sure. Uh, People like that need to be supported so we can put the axe to this McCain guy and others like him. We need to do the same thing. Yeah, and McCain is one that is another one of them that I'm really surprised that has managed to stay in office because, you know, He's the first one. It seems like he's about the first one to jump up and go get on their side. You know what I mean? Um, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't even know how he calls himself a Republican. But then again, the Democrats are yeah, active. The Democrats' favorite Republican. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I noticed on Drudge Report, and I didn't even bother to look it up, but it was it had a headline, and it was talk. It, it was uh, saying that. 
Boehner was getting his power from the Democrats, that the Democrats were backing him because they liked him in the, in the, the House. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. the, the, what's going on. That'll happen, uh, you know, his, any legislation he's uh, pushing could very well pass, uh, even though the Republicans might be opposed to it. He'll get uh, enough Democrats to... Uh, to override, you know, there'll be a handful of Republicans like him. Graham uh, seems to be joined at the hip with him. Uh, there'll be a true four others, and it doesn't take that that many to tip it. And so uh, we've, we've got more work to do, sir. We are not by any means getting rid of the problems that are besetting us. And uh, I personally am uh, just very happy that uh, Senator Cruz is willing to uh, challenge the establishment the way he's doing it. Uh, it needs to be challenged. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he was, you know, basically a Tea Party guy, and, and he, he's doing what the people elected him to do, or at least trying to. Uh, that's asked, right. Oh, um, you know, that's he's just exactly. keeping to his campaign promises. I think he's going to emerge as a very strong contender. Uh, because of that, he hasn't gotten the uh, buzz uh, that a Jeff Bush has or uh, even a Scott Walker has. Uh, but now that he's an announced candidate, I think people are going to be taking a look at him. And what we've seen uh, here working in the Congress, we've seen a guy who doesn't blink and yeah. incredibly bright. Uh, so he's not as likely to make very many missteps anyway. Harvard law professor, who, of course, is on the left, has said about Cruz that uh, my years of teaching, I've never had a student that was anywhere near as bright as Ted is. Now, I don't agree with uh, his philosophy, but uh, i got to say, he's the smartest one I ever had. So even when the, you know, typically when a conservative Republican is running for anything, tries to jump onto a Dumb as a bag of bricks. That's what they tried to get us to believe about Reagan. Uh, I'd like to be as dumb as those guys are. But yeah. uh, nevertheless, uh, they can't really pull that one off uh, with uh, much of a straight face because even people on the left have said, yeah, straight to say, yeah, he's pretty smart. Uh, so they're going to have to, basically, I think they're, the word they're going to try to use effectively against them crazy. You must be crazy to want to change things that we've been doing for all these many years, Republican right. and Democrat alike. You've got to be absolutely out of your mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if, he, if he's out of his mind, let's all get out of our mind with him. You know, amen. <laughs> I, 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 Jeb Bush would be a fatal mistake for this country in my eyes. Um, I, he might as well classify him right up there with the rest of the liberals. Um, I, I, we've got a little bit. We've got about five minutes left. I, I just wanted to ask you what you thought about um, the way that um, this administration and, uh, has spoke against. Well, you know, like Ferguson. To me, that was promoted. I mean, you know, there, and it, we go with the same with George Zimmerman and all these things. And now we have police officers being shot. And you know, do they bear some responsibility? What are you, any thoughts on all that? The, um, 
it, it started with, as you mentioned, with Zimmerman. The president said, well, I, I had a son. He looked like Trayvon. So you um, you don't have a problem uh, uh, with a guy that uh, uh, launches a sneak attack on the neighborhood watch and, uh, and when he gets himself killed as a result of it. Uh, you want to side with the... Uh, the little juvenile delinquent. By the way, they didn't say much about it, and the, the formerly inquisitive reporters who can find anything out about anybody, no matter how sealed the records might be, uh, never did do much investigation about the juvenile delinquency record that dear little Trayvon had. They just right. kept running cherubic pictures of this sweet-looking little young fellow and uh, completely distorting who he really was. He was a bad dude. Uh, right. Then we, uh, I, I think they they took that situation and they tried to to spin their own narrative, uh, somehow suggesting that Zimmerman uh, was a uh, uh, air trigger or something like that. Baloney, the guy barely got to his gun in time. Uh, he was in dire straits with his head being pounded on the concrete. And we're to understand that if I had a son, Trayvon. Well, then what we're really hearing is, I wish I had a juvenile delinquent punk, no good son. <laughs> yeah, and that's the size of it. And that should reveal a lot about his character, don't you think? It does. I, I think so. And then when uh, we go to uh, New York and uh, Eric Garner was uh, killed by an officer, well, it's guy was uh, resisting arrest and ended up uh, getting himself into a hold. It wasn't a chokehold, but apparently it stressed the heart of this very overweight guy, and he ends up dying. Now, I, I would want to just insert in, in making that point that this never would have happened had we not had so many stupid laws on the book. This guy was being arrested for selling a single cigarette. Now, that's I yeah, I mean, that, that's just not something cops should be assigned to do. Uh, so, in, in a way, it's the lawmakers that, that set up the whole dreadful situation. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, there was nothing racial about it. Uh, right. There was nothing about a, a cop war on the citizenry. If we want to start blaming people uh, other than the uh, guy that was engaged in the illegal activity, well, we need to blame the people that were engaged in the illegal activity. Uh, right. And then when you come to Ferguson, uh, you're talking about illegal activity big time, and uh, sending the Justice Department out there to investigate the police in Ferguson. Uh, you know, I I don't know anything about the police department there. Maybe they, they were pretty obnoxious. It could well be. I, I just don't know. But the fact of the matter is, um, the gentle giant was not a gentle giant. Uh, he was involved in criminal activity moments before uh, he met his end. He did attack the cop. Uh, finally, the, his accomplice uh, had to admit that he had lied through his teeth about uh, gentle giant being shot in the back because the autopsy showed he'd been shot from the front as he was attacking the cop. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> and if I'd have been that poor cop, uh, I 
probably would have resigned from the force long before I got into this delicate situation, but uh, I would have done the same thing. And so here we've got criminal activity being somehow twisted into a narrative uh, that black people have legitimate objections and they ought to be out on the street and they ought to be really uh, doing everything they can to upset the, the established order. And I think the Attorney General and the President have blood on their hands. I think some of this uh, violence comes directly from their words. Yeah, absolutely. They haven't said it. Let's put it this way. They have, the, the words that they could have chosen used could have really um, created, you know, a dialogue, you know, for problems and could have quelled it. Instead, they let the, they gave them a book of matches, you know, uh, they gave yeah. them a book of well, Larry, we're really uh, out of time. It was really good to have you on, and uh, I'll keep an eye on your updates, folks. You should get the updates from uh, org. You go over there, you sign up for their email updates, and you keep a price of this, and get involved, get involved, get involved. Larry, uh, any final word, and say goodbye. Well, I appreciate you giving out the website. I encourage people to go there and feed at gunowners.org, and uh, it's free to get those alerts. They... Uh, will make a difference. They have made a difference. We were able to stop a gun control law after Sandy Hook that the NRA was supporting. And still, because people who got the Gun Owners America Alert acted on them, we stopped gun control in its tracks. Amen. Well, I appreciate what all you all do, and, and I thank them. We'll, we'll talk again. You be blessed, Larry. Thanks for being on. And thanks for having me. All right. Folks, the big key word, I guess, to this program, all programs end up with a theme. You know, if you Christian, we're supposed the word sacrifice. We're supposed to be Christian means Messiah-like. If you're indeed, indeed Messiah-like, he sacrificed himself for the whole world. He sacrificed himself for generations. He's, he made a horrendous sacrifice. We're coming up on Passover which is a reminder of that sacrifice, that he gave his life for all of us so that we might have eternal life. Where is the sacrifice in Christians in America nowadays? Now, I know uh, now if, if this isn't speaking to a specific Christian out there, but look at your life and look at your reflection. Do you sacrifice any of your time for the Father? Do you sacrifice the offerings that you give to people? Are those sacrificial offerings, you know, that you had to give something up in order to, for the greater good? And that isn't just talking about, I'm not talking about just me, I'm talking about whether it's to your local church or to helping somebody that's a family member um, or maybe um, to a politician that you believe in. Because they've got you hoodwinked to believe that you're not even supposed to be in politics and you are supposed to be involved in politics. We are supposed to be involved. Anyway, I got to get out of here. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Pray about supporting Wichita Mission Church. We really do need your help because what we do isn't done without your donations. Remember, there is only one God. That is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave his life for repentant sins, and he rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through him, and only through him, is the way to the Father. Remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. 
Creeping streets of Jerusalem, that's like praying for Messiah's return. Lord our God, Father, King of the universe, ask in Yeshua Hamashiach's name that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you, and his gracious you, and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. Just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. Contact Dan on the internet. Go to messiahsbranch.org. Write to Dan. Send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 6851. Tune in next time for the Messiah's Branch. You can send a monetary gift or a box in the mail to this address, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 65851. Or donate online by going to
Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional-strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Job stress, financial obligations, or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs' emotional stress formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866 229 3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wthepowerherbscom 